at the Swedish House Mafia concert last July injured three men and left one with a punctured lung. Lee Agnew has the details. 24-year-old Francis Brennan from Cavern Road in Liverpool admitted wounding with intent, a fray and possession of an offensive weapon at Aylesbury Crown Court. He'll be sentenced following the trial of 25-year-old Jamie Jarvis from Liverpool, who admits a fray but denies wounding with intent, and 30-year-old Stephen Lee from Liverpool, who denies a fray. Last summer's event was billed as the last UK concert by the dance music trio after they announced they were splitting up. The Archbishop of Canterbury has told the payday loans company Wonga that the Church of England wants to force it out of business by competing against it. Justin Welby, who has strongly criticised the high rates charged by such lenders, said the church could help to expand access to non-profit-making credit unions by providing them with premises and the expertise of church members. Campaigners say they will not give up their fight to stop Watford Metropolitan Station closing. It'll be replaced with two new tube stations when the Croxley Rail Link is completed. But Lester Wagman, who's protesting against the decision, says a new station in the middle of Watford will not help commuters at all. You live near a station, um, within easy walking distance of the station, and somebody decides that that station is going to close and the railway line moves somewhere else. You're bound to be disappointed, and I think that's really the position for local people. A fisherman is lucky to be alive after being struck by lightning in Stukeley. The 55-year-old angler suffered only minor injuries despite taking what's believed to be a direct hit at Three Lakes on Tuesday. According to staff at Milton Keynes Hospital, the bolt went through his hand and out through his elbow. In sport, Watford drew one all with Peterborough in last night's friendlies, while Milton Keynes Dons beat Madrid based side Rayo Vallecano 4 3, and Wickham's friendly at Burnham was postponed after the pitch failed in inspection. The weather warm and humid with sunny spells and isolated showers. Today's top temperature 26 degrees Celsius, that's 79 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Dear listener, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It was chucking it down on the way in, and boy, oh boy, wasn't it nice. Luckily, in the back of my car, I had my Charlie and Lola umbrella with me, so I was able to enter the building pretty much unscathed by the wetness. But it, it was wonderful being in bed last night, and the rain pouring down. Superb. Superb. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... The column inches and front page coverage of the Royal News this week has shown that we have a press which thinks we're all obsessed by the monarchy. Well, the monarchy costs us about 53 pence a year. What do you think the royals are worth the money? For the majority of school children in beds, hearts and bucks, this is the first day of the summer holidays. Well, the idea of shorter school holidays is a very real one. The Education Secretary, Michael Gove, has suggested that from September 2015, all state schools could be in charge of setting their own holiday dates. Well, are the school summer holidays too long? And with the news that £80 on-the-spot fines could be introduced for people who spit, is it ever okay to spit in the streets? Sometimes you need to, don't you? Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Sorry, I'm trying to host the show whilst having an argument with my production team. Kelly Betts said there are no blokey umbrellas. The only umbrella I had in my car, by coincidence, um, was a Charlie and Lola transparent one, which I must not forget to take home or I'll be in very, very serious trouble. Well, Kelly Betts, Kelly Betts, come, come on the microphone, because she's, she's just typed something up on the screen that we used to communicate with each other, which I strongly, strongly disagree with. Kelly Betts, what is it you, you, you've claimed? There needs to be a manbrella. You think there's no such thing as a, ma- a, a manly umbrella, no, a manbrella? even if it's all black, it's still a bit... Th- have you seen Justin Dealey's umbrella this morning? No, what's he got? Well, he will say it's a man, man's umbrella, but it looks a bit... Do you want... Just, I, I don't really want to... Um, let's not talk about Justin. But I, all you need is a short little, uh, little uh, black umbrella that you press a button... Yeah, but then the handle has the little flick... Of course, a handle has to have a flick, um, otherwise it's it not just, a handle. It just looks feminine. There are no really, like, whoa, umbrellas. A hook for a handle. That's what you want, a strong, a strong hook for a handle so you can hang it on the back of chairs. When you see an umbrella... Yes. ...do you think, oh, that's a nice lady, a nice umbrella? What? You don't think, oh, that's a butch umbrella. That's going to oh, protect me from the rain. Oh. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, we'll, we'll throw it out there. Apropos of absolutely very little, manly umbrellas, it's a black umbrella, either the big ones or the ones that with the... Well, you press the button and it kind of scoots up. There are manly umbrellas, aren't there? Oh, wait, 459. 455, 555. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. We don't say that anymore. I wonder why. Does that mean we're not first for news? Who, who's first for news? I wonder what those guys... Now, the monarchy is one of the most valuable of all the British brands. That's according to a report out today. Brand finance say the Queen and her lot brought us £1.5 billion in the last year, and they predict the royal baby will boost the economy by £521 million long term. However, the anti-monarchy group Republic have told BBC Three Counties that these figures are nonsense, and they actually cost the UK in the region of 200 million quid a year. Well, Justin's been out asking what you think. Uh, Justin, morning. Are the Royals good value? Well, I think they are, personally. When you think about the amount of money they bring to this country, it's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Here's a couple of views on whether people believe the Royal family are good value for money. Not at all. No way. Well, they're taking all the taxpayers' money, and And they want all the publicity. You can't open a paper, but it's all over it. So if we scrapped the Royal family, you'd be a happy man, would you? Yeah, certainly. I mean, you say it costs all that money. How much do you think it costs you oh, every year to have the royal family? Know. I couldn't uh, Take a wild estimate guess. that. No, I wouldn't know. Do you know? I do. Yeah, well, I don't. It costs you 53 pence a year to have the royal family. What a waste of money. Even 53p? Yeah, it is a waste of money. Yes, good for tourism. Great value for money. I mean, what do you think about all those people that are very negative about the royal family? Well, they've got an opinion. They're welcome to their opinion, aren't they? <laughs> but you like them. You think they represent good value for money. I think they're good for the country. So, Justin, mixed uh, mixed response there from people yeah, you spoke to. For or against. I mean, yep. r- what Royalists would say is uh, they cost us £33.3 million a year. According to the figure, last year, the royal family, uh, they brought to us as a nation in terms of tourism and, and revenue, £1.5 billion. Uh, you do the maths. If we were to lose the royal family as a nation, we would lose lots of money. Uh, great. Anything else? No, nope, that's it for the time being. Thank you very much. So... What do you think? Are the royals worth the money? 53 pence a year? It's not that much, is it? Don't, don't go and buy that Mars bar or that can of Pepsi. Then you've paid for the royals. They've got to be good value, haven't they? 08459 
Four double five five double five. Do you think the Royals are worth the money? Tenor, not Jane Flippin' Austin, one of the worst writers of all time. She's almost as bad as Dickens. Oh, 
terrible. Oh, they're classics. Well, they're not. They're boring. They're really boring. Now, don't put Jane Austen on the tennis. Get Kate Bush on there. One of the hottest women women ever to walk this earth. Babushka, you betcha. You betcha. Hey, there's a story in um, Britain's favourite newspaper, the Daily Mail. Page 13, Yobbs, who spit in the street, will be hit with £80 fine. Well, that's already inflammatory, isn't it? That's already leading you to have an opinion on this with the use of the word Yobbs. It's not just Yobbs who spit in the street. It's talented broadcasters, probably doctors and lawyers and people who work for charity as well, I would imagine. Spitting in the street will be made an offence punishable with an £80 fine. Community Secretary Eric Pickles. Oh, here we go. Pickles is back, is he? Has backed a council that wants to pass a bylaw banning the habit. Anyone caught spitting, here we go, without reasonable excuse, will be committing an offence. The change will come into force in Enfield, North London, from early September. Mr Pickles called spitting deeply unpleasant, adding spitting on Britain's streets is not socially acceptable. What on earth is going wrong with this country? What on earth are we coming to? Sometimes, I'm not saying just everyone go around and flub all the time. Sometimes you need to spit. If your mouth's a bit clarty, if a fly has got in your mouth, if you've got some kind of infection, sometimes you just need to spit. And to label spitters as yobs and saying it's not socially acceptable, well, that's, I think that's misleading. And I think it's misfair. Now, I was surprised when I mentioned this in the office. I was the only person who thought this. I was surprised by that. So I need some people to back me up. Sometimes you need to spit, don't you? Is it ever okay to spit in the street? 08459 455 555. Let's have some common sense on the radio this morning, shall we? Thank you. 6.15 exactly. Let's get the travel. Here's Adam. <laughs> that's not you, Adam. That's Van Morrison. I know. That's a bit unusual. Yeah, no, it, it, no, that's Tom Jones. That's Moondance. No, that's, it's not unusual. No, that's, that's, uh, it, this is unusual for this to happen. But you're thinking of uh, That's Not Unusual by Tom Jones. That I'm was thinking mo- of that now. I, I bet you are. Because I've just played it. But that was Moondance by Van Morrison. Yes. This is you. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. The M40 southbound. Got a lane closed because of an accident. It's on the hard shoulder now between Junction 7 at Tame and 6 at Watlington. Traffic seems to be getting past without too much trouble. Everything moving nicely as you make your way around the M25. No delays at the moment through the roadworks. M1 and A1M are looking clear on the cameras. Speed sensor's not picking up any problems yet this morning through Milton Keynes or Bedford. All looking pretty good in Dunstable on the A5 as well. Now, if you're travelling by train, it's a good start for you as well because there are no delays or disruption on the departure boards and tubes to and from London are all running to time as well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 6.16, it's Thursday the 25th of July. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Officials in Spain say at least 60 people have been killed and scores injured after a passenger train derailed in the northwest of the country. A 24-year-old man has admitted wounding with intent, affray and possession of an offensive weapon following a stabbing during a concert at the MK Bowl. 
In sport, last night's friendly saw Watford draw 1-0 with Peterborough. MK Dons beat Rayo Vallecchia 4-3, while Wickham's match at Burnham was postponed. Coming up, if you're driving this morning, wake up! Apparently half of us have at some point fallen asleep behind the wheel. I know that I've done it in the past. Oh, it's terrifying. Learnt my lesson when I was much younger. Hear more next. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni, debating the local issues. Bill Rowe is uh, a guardian angel. He needs volunteers for his Luton chapter. This is not being a policeman. You can't do a policeman's job. It is giving safe passage to more vulnerable people. Roberto Peroni. A red kite has been rescued from a tree in Hertfordshire. There was a lost parrot in the three counties and I was ready to mobilise our best people. Forget snakes on a plane. This is snakes in Hertfordshire. Potentially 27 of them. Roberto Peroni. And I love the animal stories. I do the animal stories. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Sometimes you just have to spit, don't you? Labelling us as yobs and and anti-social behaviour and fining us is inappropriate. What's wrong with spitting in the street? 08459 455 555.
BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 22 minutes past six. It's Thursday. It's nearly the weekend, and that's wonderful. Story in the uh, Daily Mail, page 13. Yobs who spit in the street will be hit with an £80 fine. Spitting in the street will be made an offence punishable with an £80 fine. Community Secretary Eric Pickles has backed a council that wants to pass this. He says spitting is deeply unpleasant, adding spitting on Britain streets is not socially acceptable. Well, I'm not sure I agree. Chris in Luton, is there yeah. anything that... Hello. Is there anything that bad about spitting in the streets? Well, that's uh, not worth £80, is it? Sorry? It used to be an offence to drop bloody litter in the street. I think it may still be an offence. Well, yeah, but you see, in Luton, other places they had uh, things to put your chewing gum on. That's gone. Have you ever got chewing gum stuck in your shoe? I, I have. It's literally yeah. the worst thing that could ever happen to no, anybody. But you know what you do? You put your clothes in the freezer... Sorry? Do you know that? If you get chewing gum stuck on your shoe, you put your clothes in the in the yeah, freezer? You, on your jacket, you put it in the freezer what? and it just peels off. How does that get it off your shoe? Well, yeah, you can put a shoe in the freezer. It's not going to destroy, is it? The worst thing in the world... What do you... Uh, let's be, We have young ears listening, Chris, so let's tread carefully. Yeah, go on, then. What do you use to scrape dog muck off your shoe? Um, well, if, if it's that bad, I throw it away and come back later. You, what, you just take the shoe off and toss it yeah, away? Yeah, I don't want to smell that, do I? How do you walk home? Well, I, no, I just avoid it if I can. I use a kitchen knife. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then just wash it. Yeah, but I don't carry one of them, it's an offence. I don't it? know, it is an offence now. So when was the last time you spat in the street, Chris? Um, yesterday. Yeah. Round the square here, outside. Round the square here? Outside the bookies, they spit on the floor. Yeah. Because... You're a, well, according to the Daily Mail, Chris, you're a yob. I've, I've always have been. Oh. Oh. But I think, I think, these chip wrappers round here, I pay counts, it must cost a fortune to clear the rubbish. Yep, yep. So surely, that's, that's, what was the fine for drop, £10, was it? I don't know. But I haven't seen anybody enforce that law. Right, so, so, right, Chris, imagine you, you're outside the bookies, you've yeah. just, you just, um, you're celebrating, you've won uh, £12.50 on a horse. Go on then, yeah. So to celebrate, you've done a big spit in the street. Yeah. Copper comes up to you. Excuse me, Chris. He knows your name. You've got previous. Excuse me, Chris. I'm going to have to give yeah. you an £80 fine for that. What would you say? Well, the committee police know me. I'm a nothing guitar-playing cowboy with five grandchildren. You're a, you're a what, cowboy? Guitar player. Uh, right. So, yeah. uh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's very... In- I'm still being... We're still role-playing here. That's very interesting, Chris. Yeah. But I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to pay me £80 for that spit. Well, no, I'll tell you what, I've, I've asked Keats to play for charity. I've got to write to the address and get the logo to do for charity, because some people steal, you see. I've literally got no idea what we're talking about, and if this is your way of distracting the copper, it's a good plan, oh, yeah. Chris. It's working. I'm, I'm on my way now. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, oh. lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. That's Chris in Luton, who I think was saying that sometimes you've got to spit. You've got to. And I think that's the thing. Sometimes you have to. It's almost like a medical condition. Oh, wait, 459. 455. 555. We're talking as well about the royal family. They have been everywhere uh, this week. I don't know if you know, there's a baby. Good, strong names. George, Alexander, Louis. I like those. Good names. Well, it costs us 53 pence a year to have the royal family. What do you think? Is that, is that good value for money? John's in Milton Keynes. Morning, John. Morning, Ian. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Are the, are the royals good value for money? Do you know what, Ian? Already I'm sick to, de- sick to the back teeth listening about this baby, like, oh. last, what, two days or so? 
it's going to go until Christmas, isn't it? It's going to be everything. It's going to be the, the baby's first steps, yep. everything else, what outfit they're buying the kid, uh, buy, buying the boy and all this, you know, what clothes he's going to wear. Uh, do you know what, um, Ian? Um, now, um, we, we were all born the same, to basically to grow old and die, yeah? All wow. of us. That's, that's when you look at it like that, it's so yeah, bleak. Yeah, all of us. Pointless. Yeah, all, all of us, the royals, if you're royal or not, yeah? Yeah. Now, can I ask you a hypothetical question? Of course you can, sir. Now, supposing you were dying ill in hospital, right? God oh, forbid. Yep. But supposing that was the case, and okay. then the corgis, the royal corgis, were also terminally ill. Yeah. Who do you think the government would step in and save first? Well, I, I would, would you, what do you mean the government, why would the government step in and save either of us? Well, you know, I mean, it's got to be the corgis, isn't it? Let's, let's face it, I mean, those corgis have to be saved. I mean, it doesn't matter about the likes of you and me. I mean, when we get old, they actually want us to die so that they can put more money in the pot to, to sort out the royals. But the royals, they bring, according to, to recent figures, they bring us so much money tourism, income into the country, that's got to be worth it, hasn't it, John? Well, the tourism is fantastic, isn't it? And let's be honest, yeah, the tourism's great. Brings all, all the tourists over from the States that's and all tourism, the other parts yeah. of the world into London spending their money, right? Yep. But when it really comes down to it, right, what about putting that 53p back into NHS, back into the pensioners' pockets, the pensioners who are getting fleeced by the government with all their the winter fuel being cut and all the pensions potentially being, I don't know, um, Cut. rearranged, shall yes. we say, yes. and all the rest of it. But it's only 33.3 million quid a year, so it's, that's not going to, that, that's not even going to buy you a year's worth of hospital meals. It's not a lot, is it, really, for what yeah, we get from them. You know what, the elderly people in our country, the people who, uh, many of them, uh, put their lives on the line in World War II to save our country, to save our shores from invasion, yep. see the way they're getting treated, right, actually pushed, basically just swept under the carpet, and they, a lot of the time. But Harry, then, Harry's served in Afghanistan. Yeah, but he's not put on the front line, is he? I mean, they're never going to put him on the front line. I mean, I just think, you know, I think that Harry is actually sick of being a royal. I think he's sick of all the all, all the um, all, all the um, the glitz and the glamour and all the rest of it that surrounds it all. I think he just wants to get away from it. He's tired of it, the same as I am. So, what, what what's your message then, John, to um, for anybody who may not have been able to pick it up, to to those people who, who wave the flag for the royal family? Uh, you know what? When I see those images on TV, it's just the little people, isn't it? I mean, I, I call all all of all of the main population the little people, yes. and then you have got these like half a dozen people parading around, you know, and like just uh, expecting everyone to bow for them and all that. And you've got thousands of people crammed in. I mean, what about these people stopping over on their flights, stopping over in London just to get a view, hopefully, of some sort of like um, um, uh, you know of, of Prince William or, or Kate, you know. Yeah. Just stopping in. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, Ian. Yes. I mean, what, what, what about the Royal Yacht Britannia? When uh, I know that's not sailing anymore, no. right? But they were spending millions on that thing, weren't they? Just on maintenance alone, millions of taxpayers' money. They certainly were. Yeah, and they got rid of it. But the Queen doesn't the Queen still have like a chartered aircraft everywhere she goes anyway? Like her own chartered British Airways seven four seven. It's quite possible, John. We have to end it there. John in Milton Keynes. He doesn't think. I, I think this is what I picked up from him. Excuse me if I'm if I'm misquoting him. I got the impression he doesn't think the royals are worth f- 53 pence per person per year. That, uh, that was the, the kind of thread I managed to hang on to. But what do you think? Do you think the royals are worth it? 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've literally just had a call from Mike. The M1 southbound, he's caught up at the minute near to Junction 10 for Luton Airport. 
He said it's at a standstill, possibly because the weather's so iffy this morning with a lot of rain falling. He also said that the Matrix signs were claiming that Junction 10 for the airport was closed, but as far as he could see as he went past, it wasn't. So we'll be investigating that. Thank you, Mike, for your call. Everything looking reasonably good on all the other major routes of the three counties. Speed sensors not picking up delays on the M25 and everything moving well on the M40. This is despite the fact that there's still a lane closed after an accident between Junction 7 at Tame and 6 at Watlington. No delays or disruption on the rails so far today and no problems for the tubes to and from London either. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 6.30, News and Sport now with Catherine. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Officials in Spain say at least 60 people have been killed and scores injured after a passenger train derailed in the northwest of the country. A 24-year-old man's admitted wounded with a tent, a fray and possession of an offensive weapon following a stabbing during a concert at the MK Bowl. And campaigners say they won't give up their fight against the closure of Watford Metropolitan Station. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Senior Open starts this morning at Royal Birkdale with Colin Montgomery playing the event for the first time, having turned 50 in June with Fred Couples, the defending champion. And Montgomery says he's looking forward to the challenge. I think it's just a tremendous golf course. There's no gimmicks. It doesn't need any gimmicks. There's, it's very fair. Muirfield and Birkdale are... It depends who you are. The English think Birkdale's the best. Uh, the Scots think Muirfield. But really, uh, I'm not saying that because I'm here. I really do feel that Birkdale is right there with the best courses in Britain. In last night's friendlies, Watford drew one all with Peterborough. Milton Keynes-Dons beat the Madrid-based side Rio Vallecano 4-3. But Wickham's friendly at Burnham was postponed after the pitch failed in inspection. Tonight, Luton Town have a friendly away to Dunstable Town. Some of the world's best cricketers from the past are in action today in Bedfordshire. The Lashings World Eleven team are playing Evershot Cricket Club. Courtney Walsh, Andy Caddick and Inzamum Ulhaq will play for the touring team. Entry at the gate costs £5 and that match starts at 2.30. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at 7 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Busy show this morning, very busy show. Later on we'll have uh, the, the latest on that horrific uh, train crash that's happened. What's going on? We had the train crash in France. We had a couple of planes going down. Now we've got this in Spain. It's all... It's terrible, it's absolutely terrible. A significant number of people have died, and we'll, we'll get the latest on that a bit later on. We're also asking this morning, um, do you think the royal family are worth the money? 53 pence per person per year. Now, while I'm bored by the royal baby, bored senseless, I do think that's quite good value, isn't it, for, for the, the royal family? They're, they're all right, aren't they? But the story uh, that um, uh, seems to have got everybody a little bit excited this morning is spitting. Isn't it funny how you throw these things out and spitting? Could be uh, an £80 fine for yobs who spit in the street. What about the, la- the gentry who split- spit in the street? Well, what do you think? I think it's a little bit harsh. Sometimes you need to spit, don't you? Well, our reporter is at Toddington Services this morning. Uh, Justin Daly, what have you been uh, asking people? Been getting some views already, Ian. A moment ago, I spoke to Tracy, and this is what happened. Tracy, how often do you see people spitting in the street? Every day. Every single day. And when you see people do it, how does it make you feel? Sick. I work in London as well, so you see it continuously. And it makes you feel sick. Yeah. Clearly you're angry about it. When you see those people doing it, have you ever said to them, what do you think you're doing? Or are you not quite brave enough just yet? No. 
to be honest with you, you're walking along and they do it in front of you, but in the clientele that we're in, you're not brave enough to sort of challenge them. So £80 fines, is that a bit too much? No, I don't think so. No. You'd find them even more then? Yeah. <laughs> what, what would you find them? Well, at least £100. Wow. It's disgusting. People have got to clean that up or walk through it and kiddies walk through it. So, so if you think by finding people, it will hopefully stop it and you're seeing it every single day? Yeah. I think it will. Hopefully it will stop them. And yeah, I do see it every day. Okay. And just lastly, Ian Lee back in the studio, he says every now and again you simply got to spit and people shouldn't be fined for this. What's your reaction to that? Has he got this completely wrong? He normally is wrong, to be fair. I mean, if someone's got an illness or something and they've got to do it, then yes. But when you blatantly see someone build herself up to actually do it, then no, I disagree. They should be fined. Thank you very much for your time. Okay. Appreciate it. All right, bye. So there you go. In the views of Tracy, £80, simply not enough. It's disgusting and it should be more. What? Why... Ah, uh, forget it. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Sometimes you need to spit in the street, don't you? Eighty pounds fine. What do you think? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Is it ever okay to spit in the street?
Man Alive, I'm singing along to that bad boy. That's a song. There's a brilliant, I hate Scar, right? There's a brilliant Scar version of this by a band called Real Big Fish. Go and go and listen to it. It's just awesome. I might see if I can dig it out and play it tomorrow. It's a proper sunshine song. It's all of sunshine. Our school holidays too long. You got the kids? They probably started uh, today. Some of you may have started yesterday. Six weeks. Six weeks. What are you going to do? Well, as children break up for their annual summer vacation, the debate will rage again as to whether six weeks is detrimental to their educational development and whether the school year should be more evenly broken up into four terms. There's even been suggestions that schools might be given a certain amount of freedom to select their own holiday dates. We can talk now to the senior vice president of the NASUWT, Jeff Branner. He's also the former executive member for the union in Bucks and Milton Keynes. Morning, Jeff. Good morning. Jeff, you're probably looking forward to the break, but is the school summer holiday too long? Well, I don't know um, whether it's too long. If it was any shorter, I think uh, an awful lot of things might get sacrificed. For example, I know there are hundreds of teachers taking thousands of children away in these first two weeks of the holidays on World Challenge for example, uh, if we shorten the, the holidays to uh, four weeks, I rather suspect that many teachers wouldn't want to give up half of their holiday uh, to, to do such But that's a, that's a minority of teachers and, and pupils who are involved in that, isn't it? it? Yes, it is, but it's, I think it's a significant thing for, for the students, um, and it's a minority of the total population, but actually, in terms of the numbers of kids who do that uh, once during their school career, um, I think it's quite a significant number, and it's certainly... Uh, in terms of broadening their horizons and uh, and getting them ready for you know, things like university and so on, I think it's an incredibly uh, important thing. But but the evidence uh, for um, the loss of um, of uh, learning during the summer holidays doesn't seem to stack up. I mean, if you if you look at uh, the, the most highly performing part of the United Kingdom where uh, exam results are the highest, it's in Northern Ireland. And Northern Ireland have even longer holidays than, than we do over here. Um, private schools do incredibly well. They have longer school, uh, school holidays in the summer than, than uh, the state education system. So the, the evidence, I think if you look for the evidence, uh, you can find whatever you want. Uh, I mean, if you The school terms at the moment and the holidays, they're, they're based on the old agri- agricultural system, aren't they? I mean, Julie Morris-Smith has just texted and reminded me, Ian, school holidays, the summer holidays were originally so kids could help with the harvest. So why don't the schools have six weeks holidays at Christmas? Uh, well, it's not... I, I, I mean, I don't think that's, that can be true because the harvest doesn't take place in uh, Ju- July and August. It takes place in September... Um, um, uh, well, last part of August and into September. So I, I don't, I'm not sure that, that that's, uh, a, a, I think, a bit of an urban myth as to why uh, the holidays... It's, it's hard for the parents. It's hard for the parents, isn't it? Having to, six weeks to look after the kids, if, if they're working or... It, it, it is tough on them. Surely it would make sense, wouldn't it, Jeff, to split the holidays up and, and have more, you know, different holidays throughout the year? I mean, it, there, there is an argument for doing that, but I'm not sure that uh, education should be seen as a cheap alternative to uh, the costs of, of, of running a family or for, you know, cheap... That's, not the, arg- that's not the argument at no, all, no, is it? No, I know. It isn't, it isn't the argument that's made. But, I mean, you, you know, if you, if you say that, that uh, it's difficult for parents to have children for six weeks, well, they would still have them, but they'd have them at different times of the year. So, uh, from, from that point... But that would be easier to get a couple of weeks off here, a couple of weeks off there from work, as opposed to a big six-weeks chunk. But as soon as you do that, you run into the cost of um, holidays 
shooting up in 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 uh, cost uh, to, to to parents. If you reduce the uh, amount of time in the summer when the children are on holiday from six weeks to four weeks, then that peak. Uh, period for the holiday um, brochure sellers will be um, much shorter and therefore the costs in those four weeks will go higher because you've got more people trying to get on holiday uh, in four weeks uh, currently spread over six weeks and they can charge a premium. So, Jeff, are, so teachers, there are, downsides to that. are teachers just concerned that their lovely long summer holiday might be shortened a little bit? I don't think so. Um, I think, you know, teachers do an awful lot in their summer holidays. They, they plan schemes of work. Uh, they as I say, they, they take um, students away on uh, World Challenge and things like that. They run summer schools. Um, teachers don't spend all the six weeks with their feet up, um, you know, uh, just enjoying the sun, if we get any. Um, but So, so I'm, I'm not sure that, that that's the argument. I think that there is no um, real evidence that, that learning loss takes place. Um, and I think uh, it, having this long break does enable us to... to do all sorts of other things during that period with students, like summer schools and World Challenge and stuff like that, which we wouldn't be able to do if we shortened that. So there is a downside to it. OK, Jeff, we, we have to end it there. Sorry to interrupt you. Jeff Branner, uh, Senior Vice President of the NAS UWT. Give us a call. What do you think? Are you dreading it as a parent? 08459 455 555. Quickly speak to John in Milton Keynes on the subject of spitting. Morning, John. Good morning. John, what do you think about spitting? Sometimes you just have to do it, don't you? Yes, you know, I believe sometimes it's very involuntary, but in as much as it must be, it might be disgusting, I believe it to quit um, fine is a bit out of uh, space. It's not fair. The fine is a bit out of space. Why? Yes. Um, given the economic situation we find ourselves in, yeah. it's quite difficult to slap 80 quid on an average family or anybody at all. Excuse me, excuse me, sir. I've just seen you doing a flob in the street. That's 80 pounds. No, that is too much. No, I don't care, sir. That's the... I don't care, sir. That's the law. That's 80 pounds. I I think they got it wrong. No, I'm sorry, sir. We haven't got it wrong. I just saw you... I've got photographic evidence of you spitting, John. 80 80 pounds, please. Yes, it's been committed. But I would advocate a community sentence. We need more cleaners on the street. Look, they've cut services. Streets are getting dirtier. Why can't you find an alternative way of, Would for instance, getting somebody a community sentence to do some cleaning? A community sentence just for doing... A community sentence just for the, the flubbing a lurgy in the street? You must be joking. Well, I mean, that, I think that should be fairer because at the end of the day, that 80 quid, does it, where does it go? We don't see, Look, there are so many fights in this country. It's getting out of hand. It's too gargant one. We don't really need any more fights. John, OK, I'm, I'm going to let you go because it's it, it's either a very bad line or you're a recording from the 1920s. Either way, I'm struggling to... I think you got your point across. John would rather there was community service for spitters. He thinks the £80 fine is a rip-off. What do you think? 08459 555555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Just having a look at the speed sensors on the M1 and it is definitely slow this morning from Junction 12 at Flittick toward 10 at the Luton Airport Spur. Thanks again to Ray, who uh, to Mike indeed, who gave us a call a little bit earlier. Is it Ray or is it Mike, Adam? Which one is it? Who are you thanking? Ray or Mike? Which one? Get the name right so they get the credit they deserve. Ray or Mike? It's Mike on the M1, but I had a call from Ray and from John on the A1M and I'm coming to you. Who's John? Forget John. I'm not interested in John. John's another guy. Oh, for goodness sakes. So yeah, Mike was on the M1 and he got stuck south 
southbound going past Junction 10 at Luton said it was a standstill. It is definitely looking slow through there. Matrix signs, as far as we know, were wrong in saying that the junction was closed because it looks like it's all open. A1M now, northbound. This is where Ray called and John called as well, saying that there's a lane blocked by an accident near to Junction 3 for St Albans and South Hatfield. It's lane 1 that's blocked just before the tunnel, but traffic seems to be coping okay. Down on the M25, anti-clockwise, it's slowing up into the roadworks past Enfield at Junction 25. And then on the M40 southbound, still a lane closed because of an accident between Tame and Watlington, Junction 7 and 6. Trains and tubes running without problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. 6.46, Thursday the 25th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Officials in Spain say at least 60 people have been killed and scores injured after a passenger train derailed in the northwest of the country. A 24-year-old man has admitted wounding with intent, affray and possession of an offensive weapon following a stabbing at a concert at the Milton Keynes Bowl. In sport, the Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers has told Luis Suarez that the club deserves some loyalty as the striker prepares to begin talks with Arsenal. Coming up, we'll have the latest on the train crash in Spain, but before that, let's get the latest weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Elizabeth. Hello. I heard you on another radio station the other day. Did you? Which one? I'm not saying. Oh. They call you... The weather... No, they call you Elizabeth Ritzini with a z instead yeah, of a z. Which that's w- right. So have we been getting it... Have yes, we been getting you it? have. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. Ian, when you go out like, and you have one of those big round things with like oh, tomato and cheese I love a pizza. I do love pizzas. <laughs> yeah. so, so you pronounce the double z with a z. Okay. Okay. All right. Pizza, do you? Well, okay. Don't get don't get funny. (laughs) What I'm saying is, you should have flagged it up earlier. It's too embarrassing now for us to even be having this conversation. To say no, Ian. No. 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 No, What you should have said is pronunciation. You should be ringing the BBC's pronunciation unit. You should have um, uh, rollocked the member of team who first took your your (laughs) phone call, (laughs) Kelly Betts. I'm betting it is. You should have taken her to one side afterwards and fumed, fumed with her for um, me getting it wrong. (laughs) No, I don't mind. Okay. Okay, well, I'll make sure I'll make sure we get it right now. Let's get the latest weather. Here's Elizabeth Rosini. <laughs> Stop it. Um, well, we've seen plenty of rain actually so far. That's the system that's just tracking its way northwestwards, and it is actually coming to an end now. We, what we might just see is a little bit of shower, um, showery rain following after it. So the odd light shower, yes, always possible through the rest of the morning, but generally drier and brighter as we get into the afternoon. So once again, it is going to feel very warm. Lots of sunshine around through the afternoon and to end the day in top temperatures um, mid-twenties once more actually between 23 as high as 25 or even 26 degrees Celsius we might see a bit later on in Bletchley in Luton, Milton Keynes, Ellsbury and um, in Hartford as well so all in all it's not going to turn out to be a bad day but it certainly is rather wet underfoot this morning, it's quite cloudy and quite muggy as well if you're about to step outside the door I think you'll need all manner of, uh, of clothes today uh, for the rain, for the heat, for the sunshine and, um, and of course for the showers later or you will need your umbrella I think Uh, but just light winds and then overnight tonight um, mostly dry picture temperatures a little bit fresher than they have been down to between 14 and 15 degrees Celsius in the rural spots we will see a touch lower than that so that'll be nice I think after recent temperatures and then as we get into tomorrow perhaps uh, a little bit of uh, showery rain around through the morning a cloudy start but again turning fine and dry with lots of sunshine around you will want to cater for a few thunderstorms perhaps at the weekend. Um, but we've still got to firm up on the detail for that, really, Ian. 
Thank you very much, Elizabeth. You're welcome. Ta-ta. The games of the 30th Olympiad in 2012 are awarded to the city of London. 12 months ago, Beds, Hearts and Bucks went crazy for sports. But what happens when you're on? All this week, ahead of the anniversary of London 2012, Ian Lee and Roberto Peroni will be finding out how much our sporting lives have been affected by the Olympics. That youth and community increase in participation is a is top priority for Sport England. Was it just a phase, or are we all much more active in sports across the three counties? No one would be into it as much as they are now. It's such a popular sport now. Listen to Ian Lee and Roberto Peroni every day this week here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah. On the subject of spitting, Gillian's in Cambridge. Good morning, Gillian. Good morning, Ian. What's your take on, on this? £80 fine could be introduced. I'm, I'm pleased about that because, oh. as I said to your researcher, um, when I was a little girl, I'm in my 70s now, all the buses in London had um, notices up there will be a f- £5 fine for spitting. And it was for the prevention of the spread of tuberculosis, which yes. was quite rife in those days and of course tuberculosis is in the increase now well it is in the increase particularly um among ethiopian communities and other various communities especially in various areas of north london i know tottenham um and uh some other places suffer from it quite badly but but in the great scheme of things gillian a little spit on the street just to clear your mouth out it's not the worst thing i think it's disgusting really yes oh yes and also um Cambridge streets are full of chewing gum and again chewing gum's been in your mouth and you've chewed it oh yeah it's covered in spittle so you'd ban you'd ban chewing see I don't like people spitting chewing gum out but when they're having a little cough and you know something pops up they weren't expecting you know were you going to swallow it again what what's the alternative carry a tissue in your pocket and what and spit in the tissue yeah that's even and then what put it back in your pocket that's even worse well it isn't because it's covered up isn't it and you're not spreading it the only person you're spreading it to is yourself i don't want to spread it to me well you've spat it it must be (laughs) is an 80 pounds fine enough gillian i think that's um the minimum okay while we've got you on the line the royal family cost you 53 pence a year is that value for money i think it is really yes they do. A, they, but listen, I'm, I, my politics means I sh- probably shouldn't like the royal family. But they do a cracking job, don't they? I think they do their share. Yes. Exactly. Gillian, are you a fan of the Beach Boys? Yes. Here's a Beach Boys song just for you. Great. <laughs> we come on this loop, John B.
Scoop John B. 08459 four double five five double five. Now, officials in Spain say that at least 77 people have been killed and many more injured after a passenger train derailed in the northwest of the country. It was travelling from Madrid and crashed just outside the city of Santiago de Compostela. More than 200 people were on the train at the time of the accident. One of those passengers who survived, Guillermo, says it happened at high speed. <laughs> The train was going very quickly and it derailed as it was going round the corner. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. I was very lucky we survived. It was a disaster. I don't know how many dead, but there are many. Pictures were taken shortly after the accident and they show several bodies covered by blankets scattered near the track beside the wreckage of overturned carriages. Some eyewitnesses and survivors have spoken of hearing one or more explosions before the derailment, but the government has so far indicated it believes the crash was an accident. Miguel Ángel Morado, a Spanish journalist, says it happened on a curved section of track, which is fairly new. When it was open to traffic two years ago, there were some concerns uh, about this bend because it was seen as too sharp, too difficult, not to say dangerous. That is the reason why the speed is limited in that part of the network. But it appears that the train in this case was going far faster than it's allowed in this part of the network. There's been an appeal for people to donate blood at local hospitals. Today is a bank holiday in Galeatha and was supposed to be a time of regional celebration. Tony Coleman, a British journalist living in Santiago de Compostela, described the mood there. Subdued, I think, is probably the best way to describe it. The city, having been geared up for its biggest party night of the year, celebrating the Day of the Apostle, has tragically been called off by the authorities within an hour of uh, the accident when it was clear that uh, the enormity of this disaster was uh, was becoming apparent. It's the worst rail crash in Spain's recent history. The country's Prime Minister, Mariano Rajoy, was, who was born in the area, is due to visit the scene of the crash later on today. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm surprised by you. No one's called in yet to say, you know the royal family, fair play, 53 pence per person per year, I'll have some of that. No one's called in to defend them. I thought a lot of you would. It's a tiny, tiny amount, isn't it? For all the joy and the gossip they give us, Prince Andrew's worth it alone, surely. 08459 455 555. Do you think the royal family are worth that amount of money? Right, we'll talk about that and more after the latest sp- uh, travels. Leave a burden in with sport then. No, 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 it's Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. I could try and give you some sport news if you wanted, but it wouldn't be particularly well-researched or well-informed. But uh, as for the roads, well, I'll let you be the judge. The M40 southbound, still a lane closed, an accident on the hard shoulder, tamed toward Watlington. The M1 southbound, still looking very busy from Flittick toward Luton Junction, 12 to 10. And then delays on the A1 into London southbound, still in corner toward Apex Corner. We've also got reports of problems along the A1M northbound coming up toward Hatfield. Reports of a lane being blocked by an accident near to Junction 3 for St Albans. And traffic seems to be coping okay. The A10 is looking slow through Chesant College Road down toward Winston Churchill Way and on the M25 there's a patch of heavy traffic anti-clockwise coming into the roadworks past Junction 25 at the A10 near to Enfield and Chesant. Trains and tubes though running without delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Adam. 
family cost you 33 pence a year. What's your problem? They've got to be worth it, haven't they? Or do you think they're a bunch of overpaid, useless royal toffs? Give us a call and we'll have a chat after the news with Catherine. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. seven o'clock. The headlines, more than 70 dead in Spanish train crash. Liverpool man pleads guilty to Milton Keynes stabbing and one corner of Bedfordshire is expecting some summertime snow. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rescuers have been working through the night at the scene of Spain's worst train crash for decades which is so far known to have claimed 77 lives. More than 100 people were injured when an intercity express came off the tracks as it approached the station at Santiago de Compostela in the northwest of the country. Our correspondent Tom Burridge is there. The intercity train travelling from Madrid derailed on a bend as it entered the outskirts of the city of Santiago de Compostela, the regional capital of Galicia in northern Spain. The regional government appealed for people to donate blood at local hospitals as the death toll rose throughout the night. Today is a bank holiday in Galicia. It was supposed to be a time of regional celebration. This morning, Spain's Prime Minister, Marigan Rajoy, will arrive in the region to see the damage for himself. A man's pleaded guilty to a stabbing at a gig at the Milton Keynes Bowl. The attack at the Swedish House Mafia concert last July injured three men and left one with a punctured lung. Lee Agnew has the details. 24-year-old Francis Brennan from Cavern Road in Liverpool admitted wounding with intent of fray and possession of an offensive weapon at Aylesbury Crown Court. He'll be sentenced following the trial of 25-year-old Jamie Jarvis from Liverpool, who admits of fray but denies wounding with intent, and 30-year-old Stephen Lee from Liverpool, who denies of fray. Last summer's event was billed as the last UK concert by the dance music trio after they announced they were splitting up. The Archbishop of Canterbury has told the payday loans company Wonga that the Church of England wants to force it out of business by competing against it. Justin Welby said the church could help to expand access to non-profit-making credit unions by providing them with premises and the expertise of church members. Campaigners are refusing to give up the fight to keep Watford's Metropolitan Station. It's set to be replaced by two new tube stations once the Croxley rail link is finished. Lester Wagman is protesting against the decision. The station is also used uh, as the main commuting point for students attending uh, Watford Grammar School for Boys to attend there. uh, And about 500 of them every day pour through the station and walk about five minutes round the corner to school. And they're going to be forced with uh, what's at least a 19-minute walk along a busy main road. 20 tonnes of snow is set to be delivered to Whipsnade Zoo this afternoon. It's being transported by truck from the snow centre in Hamel Hempstead to help keep the elephants cool in the current hot weather. In sport, last night's friendlies looked like this. Watford drew one all with Peterborough. MK Dons beat Madrid-based side Rayo Vallecano 4-3. And Wickham's friendly at Burnham was postponed after the pitch failed an inspection. The weather warm and humid with sunny spells and isolated showers. Also a top temperature of 26 degrees Celsius. That's 79 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport on Online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I just popped outside to get something from my car. It's fresh, I think is the best way to describe the weather. Fresh and damp, and boy, isn't it wonderful. Lots coming up between now and 8 o'clock. And as always, keen to get your say. Busy on the phones. Now's a really good time to call. I can see a lot of the lines are free. So if you want to give us a call, do it now. 
Some of the things we're talking about include column inches, front page coverage of the Royal News this week. It's shown that we have a press which thinks we're all obsessed with the monarchy. Well, they cost every Brit around 53 pence a year. Do you think the Royals are worth the money? For the majority of school children in beds, hearts and bucks, this is the first day of the summer holidays. Well, the idea of shorter school holidays is a very real one. The Education Secretary, Michael Gove, has suggested that from September 2015, all state schools could be in charge of setting their own holiday dates. Well, if you're a teacher, a parent, a grandparent, are the summer school holidays too long? And uh, the story in the mail today, spitting in the street will be made an offence punishable with an £80 fine. Is it ever okay to spit in the street? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Loads of Facebook comments on that. We'll get to those shortly. You can text me 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or the best way, and a couple of lines are free now. 08459... Four double five, five double five. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, the royal baby is here. Excellent names: George Alexander Louis. And predictions show that the British economy is set to grow by £521 million over the long term. I don't know how they work that out. That's what I'd like to call a guesstimate. It's a cross between a guess and an estimate. A guesstimate. Well, royalists say that the Queen and her crew... Huh? I don't think you could describe the royal family as the crew. It's not the, fre- it's not the fresh Prince of Bel-Air, is it? Well, the, the Queen and her crew cost us around £33 million pounds a year. 53 pence per person. However, the anti-monarchy group Republic have told BBC Three Counties that their cost is more like £200 million and anything less is just royal PR. Well, are they good value for money? The uh, Ian Lee Show morning reporter Justin Dealey is with a true royalist now, Richard Hammond, a landlord who caused a storm last year by sticking a picture of Pippa Middleton's bum on his pub sign. Not quite sure how much of a royalist that makes him, but Justin, I believe you're with him now. I'll let you take over for this part of the interview. <laughs> Ian, just listen to this for a second. I walked into the pub. I'm in Emptill, the Queen said. Now, when I walked in, I was greeted with this noise. Listen to this. Come on, Ian. I know at the moment we're not exactly getting on well, but does this not make you feel proud to be British? No? Okay. Richard, thanks for your time this morning. Uh, you're live across beds, hearts and bucks. Uh, big talking point this morning. The royal family, are they good value for money? What do you think? Well, absolutely. They are heritage. It makes you proud to be British. Facts and figures are that apparently it's £1.5 billion per annum. Uh, the birth of the baby will be at least 520 million. So it's, it's the facts and figures speak for themselves. It's absolutely wonderful news, and we're, I'm overjoyed with it. It's you fantastic. see, I, I spoke to somebody yesterday who said to me they are just a waste of money. Uh, they are costing taxpayers millions of pounds. And I said, in actual fact, it costs you 53 pence for the royal family every year. He still turned around and said to me, what a waste of money. What do you think about anybody who's listening to this? And there will be a few who think the royal family should be scrapped. What do you think about those people? Well, there are too many things eroding our culture these days. Uh, The royal family, in my opinion, unite the nation. You've only got to look at things like, uh, you know, the changing of the guard, any ceremonial occasion. Uh, The whole world, they're they're the envy of uh, the whole world. 
you know, it's just they're so quintessentially English. <laughs> you love I think them, they're don't brilliant. You? I really do. Yeah. So you're paying fifty-three p a year. How much would you pay for the royal family if they said to you it's going to cost you fifty-three pounds a year? Would you still pay that money? I'll dig even deeper. <laughs> they're well worth it. Absolutely, every penny. And what happened here on Monday? Of course, we had uh, uh, the Royal Baby. Were you singing songs inside the pub? When I turned up this morning, you were playing me songs. Were you singing songs on Monday? Well, we did have a rendition of uh, the National Anthem, yeah, in uh, respect. And uh, just to bring it on and, you know, be glad for uh, the future Jules uh, VII. Can you just give us 20 seconds oh, of I'm God not, Save the I'm Queen? Not, Come on. I'm not singing this morning, no. You I've sure? got a bit of a frog in my throat. As, <laughs> as much as I'd love to, I don't think Beds, Hearts and Bucks would appreciate it. If Kermit goes before the end, let me know, okay. and uh, we'll, we'll certainly crack on. Um, George, the name, what do you think about George? Yeah, very traditional, smashing, and, uh, well, exactly that, George Seventh. Couldn't be any better. And just lastly, tell us about what you did with your sign, uh, Pippa Middleton, um, I think's quite attractive, but uh, you took it one step uh, further here w with the sign. Tell us more about that. Well, it was, well, originally it was Kate, but then uh, there was a, a local uh, Charlie Garth, bit of a stick in the mud, said we might just as well have put a picture of Pippa's bottom uh, in, you know, as a gesture. Yeah. So uh, I thought, well, you know, why not? So uh, just, it was basically a fingers up to uh, a local uh, misery guts called Charlie Garth. So uh, it was just just a bit of fun. Morning, Charlie. Well, thank you very much indeed for your time. As far as you're concerned, the Royal Family, fantastic value for money. Absolutely. No doubt about that. Yep, absolutely. Now, yep. can we go back inside and listen to some more anthems? Certainly. Would that be okay? Yeah. Fantastic. There you go. That's uh, Richard Hammond joining us live uh, in charge here of the Queen's Head in Amptill. Clearly very, very proud to be British and very, very proud of the Royal Family. Sees them as fantastic value for money, in. And you're done? I'm done, yes. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh what do you think? Do you listen to the Royal Family? Are they worth it? Are they worth it? Stephen's in Letchworth. What do you think, Stephen? Indeed they are, totally. Why? Because all the money they're bringing into this country. And that bloke who was on early on saying about the, um, we're going to hear about this until Christmas time and when the baby's walking... If that baby's walking at Christmas time, I think we sh all should hear about <laughs> it anyway. <laughs> yes, you're right. It would be some kind of miracle baby. Indeed. But this this um, coverage of the royal baby, Steve, let me just get a look at the front page. Let's see what we've got. Uh, the Daily Telegraph uh, has got the front page. The Guardian, there's a bit on the front page. The Times. The Independent have got... <laughs> the Independent have got Alan Partridge on the front page. I'm, I'm starting to enjoy The Independent, even though it's quite dull. The Sun and The Express, they've all got... This baby on the front page, it's, it, that's a little bit tedious, isn't it? Well, it is, is a bit much, but it just goes to show how much the people want to hear about this baby, because they didn't want to hear about this baby. The papers wouldn't put it on there to sell it, and they wouldn't sell the papers. What about those the people who think, Stephen, that they're just a bunch of sponges, they're multi-millionaires, we, we pay their salary, um, and, and they just go off on jollies. What do they really do? They don't go off on jollies, they work. Prince I mean, Andrew's always off on a jolly. His whole life is one jolly. I'm not I'm not about them. I'm not about the, the proper royals, the, the, the real ones, the, the Queen and and Charles and uh, Andrew. And I mean, Andrew's, was he in the army? Yeah, but in, all he does now is he, 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 used to, a... he used to cop off with soft porn stars and now he just travels the world in his helicopter. That sounds good to me. Would you but, like but, that but job? I would. I would love that job, and I would love it if you were paying me to do that job. I do pay you. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, you do. Technically, Stephen, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go off yeah. in the jolly with a porn star and a helicopter. Not. Oh, let you measure there, yeah? Well, sh- <laughs> Stephen Electro, thank you very much. Stephen thinks they're good value for money. Uh, what do you think? It only works out 53 pence per person per year, although those figures are disputed by the anti-monarchy, uh, anti-monarchy group Republic. When you see the royal family, are you proud of them? They're strange, aren't they? They're a strange bunch, born into privilege, uh, supported by us. They leave, lead an amazing life that we could only dream of. 08459 455 555. Let me do some of your Facebook comments on uh, uh, spitting. Um, Gary says the fine should be £1,000. Jackie says, I'm very pleased to hear this about the £80 fine. Oh, dear. I've noticed it's a certain race that's spitting and not just the men either. What certain race is that, Jackie? I've noticed people of all different colours and ethnic backgrounds spitting. Uh, and Fifi says, unfortunately, there are certain types of people who don't just confine this filthy habit to the street. I was in a store in Watford when I spotted a gentleman hawk right down the back of his throat before depositing a globule globule on the tiled floor while he was sat waiting on his wife who was looking at a rack of clothes. Really? I marched over to him to give him a piece of my mind and was met with a stream of abuse, although it was me who was in the wrong. Oh, Fifi. Dave's in Luton. Dave, is there anything wrong with spitting, really? Uh, well, it's dirty in a sense. You've got to put it that way. In who a sense? To, uh, well, well, it is. You want to see a, a person spitting along the road, regardless of what they're bringing out of their mouth. But why isn't people carrying handkerchiefs? Why isn't people carrying tissues? I carry... Yeah. Hang- I've got a handkerchief in my pocket right now. I'm not going to spit in it, Dave, and then put it in my pocket. That's even worse. Oh, no, it's not. If you spit in it, you open it out, spit in it, and then you uh, cover it over, oh, don't you? Then put it back in you. Well, hang on. I hope you're enjoying what your breakfast, that- kids. Well, hang on. All right, if you've got a spit and you haven't got those handkerchiefs, etc. Yes. Spit on the road by the curb. So it runs down into the guttering. I'll give you that. I will give you that. It shows you all the people, then it's got to walk in it or walk round it. And I'll tell you what, some of this spit that you look down on the path, yep. believe me, those people want to rush <laughs> straight all up right, that All right, all right, all let's, right. Let's, let's, let's calm down. My, my producer is actually turning a, a visible shade of green. Who's that? Kelly? No, oh, has Kelly been going around saying she's my producer? No, no she's no. not. It's producer, no, no. producer Tara. No, because I said about the rain this morning, yes. and I said, oh, it's what? beautiful. She said, I'm nuts. So I said, you're so rude, like Ian says, calls you. You know what I mean? She called me nuts. <laughs> Excuse me. Hello. Hello. Is that planet Earth? <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> a lovely day out here today, yeah. Hmm. Rain. Yeah, just talking to myself. It's Dennis around from Dunstable. I could have a talk with him. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M40 southbound, you'll find a lane closed at the minute. Heavy traffic after an accident between Junction 7 at Tame and 6 at Watlington. It's on the hard shoulder, and we just had a chat with the police about this. They just said that the vehicle involved there is 
waiting for recovery. The M1 southbound very slow from Junction 12 at Flittick to 10 at Luton Airport. The A1 into London is looking busy through Boreham Wood, Stirling Corners and Mill Hill Circus. The A1M northbound still reports of a lane being blocked by an accident near to Junction 3 for St Albans and South Hatfield just before the tunnel. The A10 is slow through Chesant as you go from College Road toward Winston Churchill Way down toward the M25. On the M25 anti-clockwise it's busy into the roadworks at Enfield and it's also slow from the M1 to Kings Langley and from Maple Cross to the M40. Just having a look at the train departure boards and for the moment across the three counties things are still running pretty much completely on timetable and there are no issues for the tubes either. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Adam. Right, 7.16, it's Thursday the 25th of July. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Rescuers have been working through the night at the scene of Spain's worst train crash for decades, which is so far known to have claimed 77 lives. A man has pleaded guilty to a stabbing at last summer's Swedish house mafia gig at the Milton Keynes Bowl. In sport, Lancashire beat Yorkshire by eight wickets in the Roses T20 match at Old Trafford. Coming up, we'll have the latest on that train crash in Spain. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, there's one man you should come and speak to. You've got a problem with a mattress, I gather. Tell me all about it without naming any company name. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Well, every time she tried to book, the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Said send the receipt off and you'll get the cheque in the post. If you need our help... I went to speak to the man that runs this golf club. Email jvsshow at bb. I'm just very pleased that you've got the money. And we could do the same for you. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. The, 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 the two main phone-ins this morning, spitting and the royal family. I, I wonder if Prince Charles was spotted spitting... Would that suddenly make it acceptable? I think it possibly might. I think it might. Oh, Prince Charles spat. I'll have some of that. Now, driving. We know we should take a break whilst driving, particularly on a long journey, but half of us still don't. The charity break has just carried out research which shows people aren't taking the issue seriously enough. The organisation says it'll get worse during the summer season as families travel by car to get to their holiday destination. Well, Dr Neil Stanley is a sleep expert and joins me now. Uh, Neil, why is it becoming increasingly commonplace? Well, I think, uh, as this survey has shown, people aren't really taking the situation seriously. And um, in this day and age, we've got cars that can go, you know, many hundreds of miles without uh, without needing to refuel. And, you know, we all uh, want to go nice places. And so it's very easy to just hop in the car and drive. And, the, you know, it's not as though the car's going to uh, have to stop, so you don't stop. And unfortunately, you know, the, the car's much easier to do long distances than you are. And, you know, the the old advice of taking a break every two hours just doesn't really need to happen anymore. You can easily drive for four, five, six hours without ever stopping. And people don't see it as a problem in the same way that, you know, the government spends a lot of money telling us don't drink and drive, and most people now wouldn't do so. But the effects of sleepiness on driving are just as high, but we don't take it as, as something that we should be doing something about. Ever happened to you, Neil? Ever found yourself falling asleep at the wheel? 
I've, I've had my moments, usually sort of uh, uh, in your mid-afternoon is my problem. I do a lot of driving in my life, and, you know, sometimes, you know, late at night do long drives, but it's actually, you know, on a hot mid-afternoon mm. when you have that post-lunch dip and the sun streaming through the window that you do suddenly become aware that you're not as aware of what's happening as you perhaps should be, and, you know, pulling over and having a walk around, get some fresh air, and, and sort of resetting yourself is a very, very good idea. If you can't have a nap, I mean, the best thing you could do is have a 20-minute nap and really recharge your batteries. It happened to me as a young man, completely fell asleep driving a car on the the M25. I say fell asleep, it was for, for two seconds, but, but those two... I woke up and the car was kind of going sideways on the motorway. It was terrifying. So lucky nothing ever happened. It was four o'clock in the morning, and I've learnt my lesson, Neil, and I, I am a big fan of, uh, if I'm feeling a little bit drowsy, pulling over and having a doze in the car. It makes such a difference. Absolutely. I mean, as you say, if you actually fall asleep at the wheel, it'll only take your car four seconds to come off the road. Yep. And I mean, that's, that's not a long time at all. If you think when you have the noddies, when you, your head uh, drops a bit. Oh, it's terrifying. That's about a second, a second and a half. So you're very, very close to causing major problems. So, yeah, the, the, the advice. And the, the big thing to say here is that winding the window down and turning the radio up makes absolutely no difference at all. If you are sleepy, um, a couple of years ago, the Department of Transport had a campaign saying the first yawn is too late. So if you're sleepy, winding the window down, switching the music up isn't going to help. You really do need to pull over, and if you can have a nap, have a nap. But if not, at least have a walk around and get some fresh air. If it's you driving on your own, then then you can't. You know, you, you, it, it, it's never. It's always better to be late than dead. I think is kind of my little philosophy. <laughs> uh, and if it's you on your own, you can pull over and have a little doze for twenty minutes. But if you're going on a holiday and you've got the kids and you've got the family and the dogs in the car you you can't really do that can you no, you can't. But, I mean, really, I think what the problems are that people uh, have with that regard is they'll do something like, oh, we'll leave, you know, really early in the morning um, and, 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 you know, make, you break the back of the journey that way. And so, you know, there's the excitement of going on holiday so you don't sleep that night. You get up at the crack of dawn, you set off, so you're already running a sleep debt before you mm. start going. Um, but, you know, really the, the old-style advice of, you know, take a break every two hours hours or so, um, you know, should really be instituted if you are doing long, long drives. Um, because as you say, uh, you know, and allowing time to do your journey. I mean, mm. I, I, I really don't, you know, mind arriving somewhere two hours early, um, but I, you know, if I feel good about it, but I build in that contingency. So, you know, being sensible and remembering that, as I say, that if you've been awake for 16 hours, your performance in driving a car is as impaired as if you were over the drink driving limit. You wouldn't drink and drive, so why would you drive sleepy? Neil, just going off on a slight tangent, you are billed as a sleep expert. Do you do those experiments where people fall asleep with wires on their head? Oh, absolutely. I've spent 31 years doing that. What, do, what can you tell from that? What, what, you're not seeing their dreams, are you? No, you can see when they are dreaming, but you wow. can't see the content of the dream. Although uh, new research has come out which uh, is implying that uh, it is possible <gasps> to... Uh, predict particular archetypes within a dream, i.e. a particular shape or something like that, if people have learnt it. But, you know, we're a long way away from ever being able to uh, to read your dreams during the night. But we can tell the different stages of sleep wow. and how well you're sleeping. I find this, all of this fascinating. And what, what are your thoughts on lucid dreaming, where you, 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 the person can grab control of the dream and, uh, you know, move yeah. around in it? 
Well, lucid dreaming is exactly that. Lucid dreaming is actually becoming aware that you are dreaming and therefore influencing the dreaming consciously so you can direct the dream into whichever way is there you a want way to, to. Is there a way to make it happen? I've had it happen a couple of times spontaneously and I love it. You can't, you, you can't make it happen. You have to learn how to be sensitive to doing it. It's a bit like going surfing. Yeah. You know, you can bob around in the water and not get a wave at all, but if you do get a wave, you can surf it. And really, it's training yourself to realise, I'm in a dream, I, I, I can be aware of it, and therefore I can consciously take it. Sometimes you'll just wake up immediately and you'll have lost it. Other times you may just be able to get hold of it and, and oh. direct it. Are there any books? Sorry, this is completely going for... This is just me and you talking now. Are there any books, Neil, that tell you how to do it? I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are a number of books about how to lucidly dream. And I say, it is, you know, anybody can do it. You just have to be sensitive to what's happening and and, and go for it. So, if if, you know, I'm sure there are other books, there are books around that you could learn from. Dr Neil Stanley, thank you very much, and thank you for indulging me at the end there. Very kind. No problem at all. Thanks very much. Dr Neil Stanley, a sleep expert. I've had a couple of spontaneous lucid dreams where suddenly I've gone, oh, hang on a minute, I'm dreaming. I wonder what would happen if I tried to fly. I can fly! Oh, it's amazing. Anyway, sorry about that. Email 3cr at bbc.co.uk BBC Three Counties Radio I'm not sorry about that in the slightest. Now, here's something that's in a lot of today's papers. Teenage sweethearts who stay together... Well, it's become a thing of the past. That's according to new research on the differences between generations. The study shows that almost one in three couples aged over 60 have been together since they were teenagers. However, for those born a generation later, that figure drops to one in seven. Uh, Now, I wonder why teenagers now probably won't stay together forever. I blame social media. That's what it's all Although I remember being totally in love with my first girlfriend and realising quite early on we weren't going to be together forever. And that made me sad. And it happened. She went off with someone else. But I'm not bitter or nothing. But, you know, still a bit bit nasty, wasn't it? Lynn's in Milton Keynes. She met her husband of 47 years when she was just 13 years old. Lynn, how did you two meet? I'm guessing it was at school. No, no, it wasn't. Oh, where was it then? <laughs> um, we used to all go dancing. used to have, like, um, what they call Top of the Pops nights and oh. different things like that, where all the school kids went. And um, and a cafe where they used to play the jukebox. That's how we met. Okay, he, he, Lin, ne- he never went to my school. Lynn, may I ask, how old are you now? If you met at 13, how long have you kind of known I'm, him? I'm 63 now. Oh, my goodness gracious me. So it's 50 years. Yes. And how did he first chat you up? What, what, did he say, hello, hello, love, you look right. Fancy a dance to Cliff no, Richards? Uh, well, we kind of knew each other. You right. know, everyone knew everybody. It, it was very different back then, not like it is now. Um, and kind of sort of went to the pictures and things like that. Then he went away to work when I was 15, and um, I think that's probably why we got married so early, because he went all the way to Wales with his job, and he came came back and we got married, and here we are 47 years later, which was 47 years this month. Well, congratulations. That that, that is an achievement that should be applauded. What's the secret, Lynn? I think we've always done everything together. We've we learnt to do our houses up together. We've we've always worked together. He treats me the same as he did when I was back then. He still looks forward to me coming in. He likes my company. I like his. Um, we've had bad times, good times, but you just work through them, don't you? We've had four children. We've got quite a big family. We're very close, all of us. Um, 
and he's my best friend. <laughs> oh look, you're, you're making me all emotional. You are genuinely. This is lovely. But do you not do you not ever get sick of him? Think, oh, for goodness sakes, is him? Because oh, I've got to share a bed with him again. Yeah, of course I do. And how do you get past that? <laughs> you just do, don't you? Oh God, where we've had some arguments where I will go into another room, but. Um, you just get past them, don't you? You realise in the end they're quite trivial. Sometimes you can't even remember what you were arguing over. They've been that pointless. But we have had arguments, and we and believe it or not, we're total opposites. In what we're, way? He's very shy, very quiet. Doesn't mix with people very easily. I'm very outgoing. I can mix with anyone. I could talk to anybody. Um, we do like the same things. Um, he's not a very holiday person. I like a holiday. He comes for my sake. Um, but we're just very, very opposite people in everything. In our views. Um, he's quite a historian. I was never really interested in history. Lim, why do you think that um, teenage marriage doesn't last these days? But I think today's a very different time. Even you look at the television... Um, everyone today, it's all free, isn't it? Well, they do things we didn't do all them years ago. Uh, listen, congratulations, 47 years. That's a cracking achievement. Yeah, thank you. Let's have a few more of those, please, if that's okay. Okay. That's Lily Milton-Kings. Met her husband of 47 years when she was 13 years old. Been together 50 years. Well, later on this morning, Tim Wheeler, who's sitting in for JVS, is talking about this and asking, is it a bad idea for people to marry their childhood sweetheart? You can send him an email if you want now. Show at bbc.co.uk. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Just looking at the M1 southbound, we have another call on this. Chris said that he was caught up in a lot of traffic as you go past Junction 13. It's looking really, really busy from there at Bedford down toward Junction 10 at the Luton Airport Spur. On average, taking around 35 minutes to get through the traffic there, so it's a really slow morning. We think it's just because of the weather. The fact that it's been quite wet and miserable does tend to slow things down a fair bit. Certainly along that stretch of the M1 southbound, we haven't had any reports of accidents or incidents. We did have reports of a lane being blocked on the A1M, though, northbound. Apparently an accident near to Junction 3, for St Albans and South Hatfield, but we haven't had any recent updates on that one. So if you're caught up anywhere and you can see what's going on, please do give us a call, 08459 555. As you make your way into London on the A1 through Boreham Wood, it's slow from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. The M25 anti-clockwise, slow from the M1 to Kings Langley and from Maple Cross to the M40. And on the M40, there's still a lane close southbound, between Junction 7 at Tame and 6 at Watlington after an accident earlier this morning. It's on the hard shoulder, but traffic's still pretty heavy past there as it awaits recovery. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. 7.30, thank you, Adam. Let's get the news and sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Rescuers have been working through the night at the scene of Spain's worst train crash for decades, which is so far known to have claimed 77 lives. A 24-year-old man pleaded guilty to a stabbing at last summer's Swedish House Mafia gig at the Milton Keynes Bowl. And the Archbishop of Canterbury has told Payday Loans Company Wonga that the Church of England wants to force it out of business by competing against it. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The Senior Open starts this morning at Royal Birkdale. Colin Montgomery's playing the event for the first time, having turned 50 in June, with Fred Couples the defending champion. And Montgomery's looking forward to the challenge. Two shots ahead. He had a, he had a golden opportunity last week, we know that. He was beaten. I'm glad that he was beaten and didn't beat himself. Phil Mickelson, 66, you can't knock that. One of the great last rounds of British Open history. And it was strange because we always talked about Lee West was chipping and putting, letting him down in many, in many ways, and, he's, and his tee to green game being so good. It was the opposite that last round. He just didn't play well enough. Ahead of the London Anniversary Games, which start this weekend at the Olympic Stadium, Jessica Ennis-Hill says she needs to refocus a year on from winning Olympic gold in the heptathlon. Ennis-Hill might be unable to compete this weekend because of an ankle injury, but hopes to be fit for August's World Championships in Moscow. I now have to refocus my goals, so it's not about that Olympic gold medal now, it's about points score, getting close to 7,000 points, it's about you know focusing on different things, and also acknowledging that you know, you can't be on this constant rise for, you know, the whole of your career. You, you're going to have a dip at some stage. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm kind of experiencing that at the moment, but still, you know, trying to battle back to, to be ready in time. Football now, and in last night's friendlies, Watford drew one all with Peterborough. MK Dons beat Madrid-based side Raya Vallecano 4-3, and Wickham's friendly at Burnham was postponed after the pitch failed an inspection. Luton Town have a friendly tonight. They're playing away to Dunstable Town. And some of the world's best cricketers from the past are in action today in Bedfordshire. The Lashings World Eleven team are playing Eversholt Cricket Club. Courtney Walsh, Andy Caddick, and Inzamamul Hack will play the touring team for the touring team. Entry at the gate costs five pounds, and the match starts at two thirty. And that's your latest news and sports i'll be back with more at eight o'clock you strike me as the sort oh right well you do you just what spitting you're a spitter aren't you (laughs) i am not no i think it's disgusting oh for goodness sakes really yep but i remember in the 80s lots of men spat didn't they was it footballers that were to blame well footballers did that horrible thing where they would um uh, hold one side of their nostril oh Uh, a greenie oh dearie or a snot shot oh for goodness (laughs) sakes Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. No. BBC Three Counties Radio. That's out of order. That is out of order. Apologies. Apologies for that. Uh, lots coming up in the next 30 minutes of the show. More on spitting, more on the royal family. But before that, cold calls. Oh, man alive. We've got a landline since we moved into this new house. First time we've had a landline in a couple of years. No one knows the number. The only people I get are cold calls. The consumer organisation Witch launches a new online complaints tool today to help help consumers call time on nuisance calls and texts. Pete Murray is uh, from uh, Witch. Morning, Pete. Hi, Ian. Uh, of course, there's a, the call preferencing service, or whatever it's called, has been around for a long time, but it doesn't work does it no well lots of people who sign up to telephone preference telephone preference that's That's it yes thank you um continue to get nuisance calls partly that's because um perhaps they've given their consent to receive these calls perhaps you know long long time ago or maybe it's because there are companies breaking the rules and that's what we need to tackle we need to get people to complain to the right regulator so that they can take action against companies who are breaking the rules and fine them and that's why we've launched this new complaints tool it's available on witch.co.uk and if you receive a nuisance call or a text you can go there and within a couple of clicks you'll be uh, pointed to the right regulator to take action and to take the confusion and hassle out of complaining. But so what will this this uh, online service what information will it require from me? Very little all you need really 
is the number uh, of the um, the call that you've got or, or the company, the date that you got it, and then you, it will um, point you towards the right regulator. So it really is very little information that you need. You don't always um, get the number, do no, you, No, that's true. Some of them and are withheld. That is true. And so it won't deal with absolutely everything. But, you know, for those calls that are withheld, particularly if you're put through to uh, a person at the other end, you need to be asking them, getting the details of their company, and then you could put it into our tool, and hopefully it'll be re- referred on to the right people who can take action. Some of those people are so rude. There was a phone company that called me up, and uh, the guy was such a smarmy little so-and-so. Good morning, sir. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm not great, thanks. I I've not got time for this call. <laughs> well, don't worry, sir. I'm sure you will have time for it once I've... Uh. Uh, no, get stuff. Where do these people get trained, Peter? Well, I don't know where they get trained. There, there must be a particular place, mustn't there, for kind of nuisance callers uh, training. Um, but, you know, it illustrates why we need to complain about this. Too many of us are on the receiving end of those kind of calls, and yet only 17% of people actually complain about them, despite the fact that 85% of us receive them on our landlines. And so that's why we've launched this tool. I think, you know, when you get calls like that, you often feel powerless. You don't know what you can do about it. And people have told us that if there was an easy way mm. to report these calls or texts than they would and so you know we're encouraging people to come to our website which.co.uk to uh, make a complaint and then let's see the regulators taking action and fining companies who are breaking the rules and will the regulators act if i get a phone call today as i as i inevitably will do from some ridiculous service and i go on to your website and, and log on will my one complaint be enough to uh, for the company to be fined or do, do you need to amass a certain amount well it depends we've we've seen examples recently where with only 17 complaints uh phone pay plus were able to find a company eighty five thousand pounds so you know your complaint really can make a difference in some occasions it might need to take many more but yeah it could we could be talking about only tens of complaints actually making a difference in getting uh regulators to then find companies it's, it's one of my bugbears i wish you the very best Good. of luck we'll with get it. it get onto the website ian thank you very much indeed people from which? Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call. Uh, or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, last week I asked you how safe you feel when walking through your local park. We'd heard from a man called David Trundley. He says there's a problem of antisocial behaviour along the riverside in Buckingham. And he says he, not much is being done about it. He said people were drinking, being rowdy and generally foul-mouthed. And he wasn't the only one who was annoyed about it. My husband came home one evening and uh, late in the evening there were two, about 200 teenagers, mostly underage drinkers. One girl, he said, couldn't have been more than 15 was lying across the bridge that leads over to the Stratford Fields, which is the football club. But obviously, you know, comatose on alcohol. So it, it, is, it is an issue. I came down at lunchtime and there was a young crowd of girls and boys and their language was really rude and disgusting and very loud, so you could hear it probably the whole way along. It isn't very pleasant and there's quite a few elderly people that do come down and... I think it's very uncomfortable for them. It's not nice, is it? If you go out in the park, you want to have a little picnic or a kick around with the kids and you see a load of boozers sitting on a park bench, it's not pleasant, is it? Well, last week we spoke to Councillor Mike Smith from Buckingham Town Council, who's also chairman of the Neighbourhood Action Group. He says they're working to try and sort the problem out, and I asked him how many fines they'd issued to people causing a nuisance. He didn't know at the time. He said he'd find out and come back. 
and he's come back. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Ian. Mike, how many fines have been issued over a, a, a certain period? I'm not sure about fines, but certainly of the 45 warnings issued in the last couple of months, there have been two arrests and two fixed penalty notices. I think it's the fixed penalty notices you're talking about with regard to fines. Right, so two fixed penalty notices, yep. two arrests, two separate people, does that make four, in- four incidents altogether? Yes, yes. It's not brilliant, and, is it? And within that, 40, um, within that, of course, there's the 45 warnings that have been issued. What does the warning actually achieve? Basically, um, the police tell them to, to stop drinking, stop making a row and go away. Some people might say, Mike, that two arrests and two fines... Have the fines been paid? Oh, I, I wouldn't know. OK. It, it doesn't sound like a lot, does it? It, it doesn't, but I think you... I mean, this is something you really need to talk to the police about because they've got procedures they have to follow through and all the rest of it. Um, I, I think the fact that 45 warnings have been issued um, a- alone just in the last couple of months indicates that they are being very proactive. If I went to the park uh, today, Mike, uh, would it be any better than it was a week ago? I, I think it would, yes. Yeah. Probably because it's raining at the moment, so there won't be many well, people there. Yeah, that, that would, that would get, get said, well, these, these boozers, they don't mind the rain. Listen, we did have some texts and emails in last week that said some of the criticisms of people using this park, well, they were just examples of people being party poopers. Where do we draw the line between people having fun or, or being a nuisance? I think if you, st- if you feel a little bit threatened, then that, that, that's the time... That's the time to, to be concerned. You know, I mean, nobody minds a, a family having a picnic in the middle of the park or something, perhaps with a bottle of wine or, or something like that. But when you get these large groups of people who are a bit threatening and, and clearly sort of the worst for drink, then, then it's worrying. Uh, and finally, we've been talking about spitting this morning, Mike. Yes. Spitting in the park, what are your thoughts on that? Disgusting, isn't it? It's as bad as dog poo. Do you really think so? Yeah, I do, yeah. There's talk some uh, some councils are going to be introducing an £80 fine. Do you think that that's something you might look at? It wouldn't be us that introduced it. It would have to be the district council that do that. Right. They, they do all these bylaws and that sort of thing. But if, if they introduced it, you'd, you'd back them, would you? I would, but I'd ask the question that everybody asks. And says, it's all very well having these penalties and that, but how do you enforce them? Who's yep. going to go around there sort of saying, excuse me, you spat, here's a fine? Mike, listen, you said you'd come back on. I always admire it when people do c- come back on, so thank you very much. You're more than welcome. Councillor Mike Smith, because some people say they'll come back on and they don't. Oh, we can't get hold of them again. We can't get hold of them. He said he'd come on, and he did come on, so you have to respect that. Now, I've got some text here about the royal family. We'll do that uh, in a little bit. We're talking about spitting uh, this morning. There's a story in the papers that, um, well, that, that £80 fines might be introduced. The community secretary, Eric Pickles, has backed a council in North London that wants uh, to bypass a bylaw banning spitting in the street. Enfield Council will make this habit uh, an offence punishable with an £80 fine from September. Well, Councillor Chris Bond says they took the decision by popular request. The residents asked us to look into the possibility of making it an offence, which the government took away from us in the early 90s. Um, So all we asked the government to do is reinstate that. We have a petition from local residents of nearly 5,000 signatures, and we took it to full council, and both political parties in Enfield agreed it is the way forward, and that's what we've done. You can always spit and put it in your handkerchief or uh, into a litter bin. It's spitting on the pavement, which is the abhorrent, filthy, foul habit which people don't like. Listen, when a man with a voice that deep speaks, you listen, Okay. Um, Our breakfast reporter has been out and about on this. Justin Daly. Thanks, Ian. Yes, earlier I spoke to Tracy. She said spitting on the street makes her feel sick. A moment ago, I spoke to Vicky, and this is what happened. Now, Vicky, you're from Luton. Whenever you go into Luton Town Centre, how often do you see people just randomly spitting? Quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. And when you see them do it, 
How does it make you feel? Disgusting. Wish I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Really disgusting habit. <laughs> well, I spoke to somebody earlier on, and she, like yourself, found it disgusting, but she hasn't really had the courage yet to say anything to anybody. Mm. Are you the same? I'm the same, yeah. I wouldn't speak up to him. You don't know what people are like these days. So we're talking about a fine of £80. Is that enough? No, it should be more. A lot more. So put a figure on it for me. Hmm. £150. £150? <laughs> seriously? Yeah, seriously, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'll give him £150 for like doing a spit on the floor. You don't think that's too harsh? No. Yeah? No. I mean, if it is £150, do you honestly think that would stop people from doing it? Hopefully, yeah. Oh dear, Hopefully, yeah, because people have got to walk there and you don't want to walk in something that somebody spat on, do you? Yeah. So, yeah. And again, a final point, something that Ian mentioned earlier, he was saying that some people need to spit every now and again and a fine of £80. They should have a bag to spit into. Spit have a bag or a pot to spit into. Pot. And then take it home and put it in the bin. So, as far as you're concerned, there is absolutely no excuse whatsoever for spitting on our streets. Definitely not. No need for it. So there you go. Uh, the views of Vicky so far, Ian, this morning doesn't surprise me, but uh, nobody agrees with you that um, some people just need to spit, and that's perfectly acceptable. Um, I need you to stay... Uh, uh, thank you for that, Jess. I need you to stay on the line for a second, if that's OK. OK. Uh got something that I, um, I'd like to read out. <clears throat> um, is, uh, uh, over the last few days, I, it's been brought to my attention, I've made several comments that have been derogatory and offensive about certain members of our team and their family. Some of these comments were made on air, some were contained in several uh, emails that were considered private but were sent from a BBC email address. I'd like it to make it known now that I intended no offence to any presenters or members of their family and if I've said anything on air that has caused offence, then I am deeply uh, apologetic for that. So I would like to say uh, apology to Justin Dealey for anything I may have said about him or his family in the last few days. And of course, apologies to any listeners who may have been offended by some of my more flippant comments. They were all done in a joking manner, but I can now see that some of these were not quite as humorous as I thought. Well, I'll take it back. You stuck to you. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 southbound, we have a lane closed. This is after an accident between Junction 13 at Bedford and 12 at Flitwick. Thank you again to Chris, who gave us the first update on this. It's taking on average 35 or 40 minutes to get through the traffic. Lane 1 is the lane that's currently closed. Northbound, the M1's looking quite slow past there from Flitwick up toward Bedford. The M40 southbound, still a lane closed after an accident between Tame and Watlington. It's awaiting recovery of the vehicles on the hard shoulder there. The accident happened around quarter to six this morning, but You've still got queues past there. The M25 anti-clockwise, heavy past Junction 25, going into the roadworks. Slow from the M1 to Kings Langley and from Maple Cross to the M40. Delays now on the A1 at the Black Cat roundabout southbound, coming down toward the Barford Bypass. And it's still looking busy as you make your way into London through Boreham Wood coming down from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. The A1M, as far as I know, is now clear past Junction 3 at South Hatfield. We did have reports of a lane closure earlier on, but as always, if you get caught up somewhere, give us a call 08459 455 555. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 
7.46, it's Thursday the 25th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Rescuers have been working through the night at the scene of Spain's worst train crash for decades, which is so far known to have claimed 77 lives. A 24-year-old man has pleaded guilty to a stabbing at last summer's Swedish house mafia gig at the Milton Keynes Bowl. In sport at the IPC World Athletics Championships this morning, Britain's Paralympic 100 metres champion Mickey Bushell is in action in the semi-finals of the T53 sprint. Coming up, school holidays. What do you think? Are they too long? Right, let's get the latest weather now. Here's Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. We have seen some heavy rain overnight, a bit wet underfoot. We could still see a few showers popping up here and there too, anywhere across the three counties really over the next few hours or so. It's quite cloudy, it's quite muggy too, but an improving picture as we get into the late morning, the first part of the afternoon. The sun will come out and that's the way it will stay for the rest of the day. Just always the risk of one or two showers, particularly through the morning, so do cater for that if you're just heading outside the door now. But lots of warm sun. Sunshine around later. Highs today of 24 or 25 degrees Celsius and light winds too. Very pleasant end of the day. And then overnight tonight, it should stay mostly dry. We might just see a little bit of showery rain just edging to parts of Hertfordshire perhaps as we head into the um, into the first part of tomorrow morning. But otherwise dry and actually feeling a touch fresher tonight as well. And that will come as welcome news to many of us. Temperatures down to between 13 and 14 degrees Celsius overnight in the towns. So for tomorrow then, mostly dry and bright lots of good spells of sunshine still feeling warm light winds top temperatures again of 24 or 25 degrees locally we could see a little bit higher than that watch out because we do have some thunderstorms headed our way over the weekend now it's quite difficult to pin down the detail at the moment but uh, we could see some very heavy downpours again the risk of some thunder and some lightning um, probably a bit safer on Sunday afternoon it looks like we'll see most of them on Saturday afternoon but uh, keep um, keep uh, keep your ears pinned back basically and we'll, uh, we'll try and firm up on the detail before tomorrow. There's the forecast. Keep your ears pinned back isn't the saying, is it? Coming soon. He just needs to get past the one player that's back. Getting away from his marker inside the box. Real chance now. Great save. Towards the top corner. What a goal! It's a beautiful goal. Three Counties Sport returns to Saturdays. Next weekend on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Talking about spitting this morning and the Royal Family. Got lots of texts on the Royal Family. I will get to those shortly, I promise. But before that, school holidays. Are they too long? Children break up for their annual summer vacation. Most of them today, some were yesterday. The debate will rage again as to whether six weeks is detrimental to their educational development and whether the school year should be more evenly broken up into four terms. There's even been suggestions that schools might be given a certain amount of freedom to select their own holiday dates. Well, I'm joined now by Dave Mingay, who's a spokesperson for the National Union of Teachers in Luton, and also Dara Carroll, who's the principal of Milton Keynes Academy. Good morning to both of you. David, let's start with you. What are your feelings? about the length of the school summer holiday too long no not at all um i think actually if you look at i've been doing a bit of research about different countries across the world and actually 
in comparison, in comparison to other countries, our, our summer holiday is actually quite short. Um, if you look at Finland, Finland has, uh, by all international league tables, the world's best education system, internationally renowned. They have a summer holiday of, of three months long. So there is almost an argument saying, well, maybe we need longer summer holidays to make our education system better. Well, what are the benefits for, for pe- pupils and teachers from, from having a holiday as long as six weeks? <laughs> Again, you put the emphasis on, on the length of six weeks being a long time, countries wise, which just said comparison, it, it, it's a short time. What it allows, it allows children time to be with their parents and time with their families and explore their environments, not be confined to a classroom where they, they're going to give But they, they um, don't explore their environments, do they, Dave? They sit at home playing PlayStation and, and, and watching Why Don't You? Well, you know, get out of touch and I don't think why don't use on anymore. It's one of my years. But they, they, that's what they do, though, isn't it? They, 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 their parents are normally working, so they'll be spending time with Nan or they'll be sat at home in front of the Xbox. Now that's that's down, that's down, excuse me. That's down to parents' choice, isn't it? Whether whether the parents want to be outside playing or the children want to be sitting in front of the Xbox. Well, it's not necessarily a choice that many parents can make. Well, then we're talking about childcare, and there are, there are many summer schemes. Uh, I know all the, ca- all the local councils offer excellent play schemes, excellent things, for excellent, ec- uh, excellent activities for children to do during the summer holidays that allow them to uh, do outside learning, enjoy their environment, enjoy time doing things other than school-based activities. Let's go to uh, Dara Carroll from uh, the principal of Milton Keynes Academy. What, what's the, the summer holiday length there, Dara? Um, we have actually returned back to a more traditional six-week holiday. Um, but when the academy first opened, it was a slightly shorter summer holiday because um, we used to put a two-week holiday into the October half-term and space the, the holidays out a little bit more. So the summer holiday w- would have been four weeks? Um, it, yes, it would have been. What was the thinking behind that? Well, I think it was sort of along the lines that you were saying that sometimes children, um, depending on their family circumstances, do find that you know they, they do get a bit bored in the holidays, but also um, that if you split the terms up, I mean, you mentioned a four-term year, um, you know, I, I quite like in some respects the idea of five, eight-week terms with sort of two-week breaks and a four-week break in the summer. But I think really, you know, the, the length of holidays and all the rest of it, it's sort of missing the point in as much as however you divide the year up, you know, if you say that you're going to have children having 190 days in school which is the current model for for maintained schools then you have to put the holidays somewhere and the thing that i'm more concerned about and why we ended up having to change our holidays was because we need to work in conjunction with the families and get a coordinated approach with all of the local schools so you don't have some schools on holidays when other schools are actually you know it's still following term time well there, 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 there is talk isn't there from michael gove the education secretary saying that schools could be in charge of setting their own holiday dates. That would create chaos, wouldn't it, Dara? Well, potentially it would do, because, I mean, we, as I say, the, the academy here, when we first opened, there was a different holiday pattern, and I spoke with the parents, and they said, you know, on the one hand, these parents would have preferred a shorter summer holiday, but what made it worse for them was that if we were um, having holidays at different times to the primary schools, then they found the childcare arrangements and other sort of domestic arrangements impossible to manage. So we've basically tried to coordinate with the local schools so that we're making it slightly easier for families to organise themselves. Dave, the thing I remember after having a six week six weeks uh, break and going back to school, I couldn't write. I couldn't write. I couldn't. I'd forgotten a lot of the basic skills. If we have a holiday as long as six weeks, or as you, as you suggested, even longer, that is going to be detrimental, isn't it? 
Yeah, when was the last time you recited your two times table? Do you know what? Actually, it was last week, but that's simply because we were discussing <laughs> times tables on the show. Well, there we are. It's been a long time since you did it at school. And actually, if you can't write after six weeks, which obviously is a bit, of, a bit of an exaggeration, then I would argue you didn't really know that skill in the first place. You know, you're preparing children to, to leave school and be part of society, and at some point you're going to have to leave the environment and do something else. But do you ever really lose those skills? Come on, Dave, let's, let's be honest. This is just you're arguing on behalf of your teachers who want a longer break. Absolutely not. I'm arguing I've got a whole heap of international evidence. I've got a list of about 20 countries in front of me. You know, we could look at Belgium. They've got a two, uh, they've got a two month, half, two months of my holiday. Sweden, they've got a 10 week. Yeah, you just want to take a longer break for teachers to make their job even easier. <laughs> Ian, we both know the teacher's job is not easy, and I'm sure my uh, my colleague from the Academy of Milton Keys agree with me. A teacher's job is it's so not easy. If you want to go down that route, I could say um, the only country that has a shorter summer holiday in the UK is South Korea, and the only country that has a higher rate of teacher suicide is South Korea. Dara, do you think these proposals by Michael Gove w- will be will go ahead? I can't really answer that one, but all I would urge the, the Secretary of State to consider is that if there is um, a coordinated approach, then there's more likely to be success. Because, I mean, if you take, you know, I, I know teachers and families that have got children who not only attend different schools because they're at different ages, but they might actually attend schools in different authorities. And, and it does become very difficult for families if, if everybody's on holiday at different times. Um, and depending on the family circumstances, that, that can be a real problem. And at the secondary end, for example, you know, I know that there are some families whereby children will not attend school if they then have to look after younger siblings who are at primary school because one's on holiday and the other one isn't. Gentlemen, we'll, we'll end it there. Thank you very much to Dara Carroll, uh, Principal of Milton Keynes Academy, the last voice. And the other voice you heard, of course, was Dave Mingay, spokesperson for the National Union of Teachers in Luton. I've got lots of texts here, <clears throat> so let's go through some of these. This is about the Royals. 53 pence a year. Are they worth it, do you think? Uh, Dave says, I'd get rid of the Royals. I don't think they're worth the money. 53 pence a year. That's less than a can of Pepsi-Cola. Um, Jess Heath and Reach says uh, Republicans who want to reroute the money into public services forget that a president and all his staff would have to be paid and there'd be the expense of an extra election every four or five years long live the Queen Ruth and Biggleswade compared with the fact that the welfare cost to each person is nearly £4 per head a year the royal family cost is good value at least they bring in money to the country through tourism Maff says, 53 p- pence a year isn't too bad when compared to the 60 pence needed to buy a sticky picture of Her Majesty to post a letter. Um, Prue says, 53 pence a year per, per person for the Royals is a bargain. Roz says, I wish I was only paying 53, 53 pence a year for all the low lives serving prison sentences. And Pam says, having a royal family means we don't have a dictatorship. Hooray! Well, it started off one way, and it's gone the other way. Let's quickly squeeze in Dave in Bedford. Dave, nuisance calls. Yeah, there's a lot of them coming from international calls. Yep. The word international's coming up, so you don't get any number... And what they're doing is that they're being pestering you. They'll phone you now, and then they'll phone you again in 10 minutes, then another 10 minutes, then another. One night, I had over 20 calls. Oh. What did you do? Did you tell them to to get stuffed? I didn't even pick the phone up. Right. Because I I knew what it was, because I kept seeing international. I quite like the the sport of the nuisance call, David. I often give them to my three-year-old to talk to, or put them on hold and see how long they'll wait. Yeah, but do you know what the best one was? Go on. Someone they've done a call to, 
started speaking in another language in Welsh. Oh. And they they slammed the phone immediately down. As I would do if someone spoke to me in Welsh. David, thank you very much. I reminded of a gentleman who um, emailed me, a Nigerian scammer called Rooney Jeep. Rooney was lovely. He he was wanting me to d- deposit a thousand pounds in a, a money exchanging thing, and I, he'd give me four thousand pounds. I managed to get a phone number off him, and I kept phoning him up. I kept phoning Mister Jeep up. It was wonderful. He was a lot of fun. I, the nuisance calls that they're annoying, but they're, with, there are ways to deal with them. Oh, a cup of tea. I'll shut up speaking. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still pretty slow on the M40 southbound after the accident earlier between Tame and Watlington. It's slow pretty much back to Oxford, actually. All lanes have reopened through there, though. It's just cleared now about ten minutes ago, and traffic is moving a little bit more freely. The M1 southbound queuing after the accident earlier between Junction 13 at Bedford and 12 at Flittick. About 35 or 40 minutes of delays, but again, good news because all lanes have reopened. Northbound is slow past Junction 12 at Flittick, up toward 13 at Bedford. The Aston Abbotts Road, we have reports that it's been blocked both ways. A two-vehicle accident between Aston Abbotts and Whedon. Lynn called us about that one. Any further updates on that would be very much appreciated. 08459 Roxton, the A1, Black Cat Roundabout looking slow. Busy into London through Boreham Wood. M25 delays anti-clockwise. The M1 through to Kings Langley and Chorleywood to the M40. And the Metropolitan Line Tube has been suspended in London between Baker Street and Allgate. Severe delays Wembley Park to Baker Street. It's a signal failure at... At Baker Street Station. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Spitting in the street. Yobbos? Disgusting? Just a natural thing that we all do. Is there really a problem with it? Here's the news with Catherine. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Eight o'clock, the headline, 77 feared dead in Spanish train crash. Liverpool man pleads guilty to Milton Keynes stabbing and a lucky strike for a Stukely fisherman. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rescuers are still searching through the wreckage at the scene of Spain's worst train crash for four decades, which is so far known to have claimed at least 77 lives. Scores more people, including one from Britain, were injured when the Intercity Express came off the tracks as it approached the station at Santiago de Compostela in the northwest of the country. Some survivors said they thought the train was going too fast as it approached a bend. It happened so quickly. It's difficult to say what happened, but the train derailed on a curve and rolled over many, many times. The train was going very fast, and it derailed as it was going around the corner. It's a disaster. I was very lucky we survived. A man has pleaded guilty to a stabbing at a gig in Milton Keynes Bowl. The attack at the Swedish House Mafia concert last July injured three men and left one with a punctured lung, as Lee Agnew reports. 24-year-old Francis Brennan from Cavern Road in Liverpool admitted wounding with intent of fray and possession of an offensive weapon at Aylesbury Crown Court. He'll be sentenced following the trial of 25-year-old Jamie Jarvis from Liverpool, who admits of fray but denies wounding with intent, and 30-year-old Stephen Lee from Liverpool, who denies of fray. Last summer's event was billed as the last UK concert by the dance music trio after they announced they were splitting up. 
The Archbishop of Canterbury has told the payday loans company Wonga that the Church of England wants to force it out of business by competing against it. Justin Welby, who strongly criticised the high rates charged by such lenders, said the church could help them to expand access to non-profit-making credit unions by providing customers with pre- sorry with pri- providing the unions with premises and the expertise of church members. Many motorists are driving when tired, with some not stopping at all on long journeys. That's according to the safety charity Brake. Their survey found that 55. 5% of those asked ignore basic advice to take rest breaks at least every two hours on long trips. Sleep expert Dr Neil Stanley told this programme the problem's getting worse as cars get better. People aren't really taking the situation seriously and um, in this day and age we've got cars that can go you know, many hundreds of miles without, uh, without needing to refuel and you know, we all uh, want to go nice places and so it's very easy to just hop in the car and drive and you know, it's not as though the car's going to have to stop so you don't stop. A fisherman is lucky to be alive after being struck by lightning in Stukeley. The 55-year-old angler suffered only minor injuries despite taking what's believed to be a direct hit at Three Lakes on Tuesday. It's thought the rod was used as a conductor by lightning as according to staff at Milton Keynes Hospital the bolt went in through his hand and out through his elbow. In sports, last night's friendlies, Watford drew one all with Peterborough. MK Dons beat Madrid-based side Rayo Vallecano 4-3. And Wickham's friendly at Burnham was postponed after the pitch failed an inspection. Today's weather, warm and humid with sunny spells and isolated showers. Top temperature, 26 degrees Celsius, that's 79 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's dark and it's grey and it's miserable out there and it's wonderful because of it. Lots coming up between now and nine o'clock. Busy show, lots of phone calls, lots of texts, lots of emails. We'll get through as many as we can before nine o'clock. The column inches and front page coverage of the Royal News this week has shown that we have a press which thinks we're all obsessed with the monarchy. Well, they only cost us 53 pence a year. Do you think the Royals are worth the money? For the majority of school children in beds, hearts and bucks, this is the first day of the summer holidays. Well, the idea of shorter school holidays is a very real one. The Education Secretary, Michael Gove, has suggested that from September 2015, all state schools could be in charge of setting their own holiday dates. Well, are the school summer holidays too long? With a council in London introducing £80 fine for people caught spitting, could spread elsewhere. What do you think? Is it ever okay to spit in the street? Sometimes there's no other choice, is there? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333, start your text 3CR, or give me a phone call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Sorry, I'm having a little slurp of tea there. I do apologise. The monarchy is one of the most valuable of all British brands. Well, that's according to a report out today. Finance company Brand Finance say the Queen and her lot have brought us £1.5 billion in the last year and predict that in time the royal baby will will boost the economy by £521 However, the anti-monarchy group Republic have told us that these figures are nonsense. Well, I'm joined now by staunch royalist Scott Pepe and uh, Republican Graham Smith. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. Scott, do you think that the royal family are worth it? 
Uh, absolutely, I do. I mean, I, I, clearly Graham is going to dispute all of these figures, but I think uh, the good people at home will, will realise that uh, clearly the monarchy brings in a great deal of money. I mean, we only have to see the tourists flooding over uh, from across, uh, particularly from America, but across the world to see Buckingham Palace, um, to see these royals that make up such an important part of the fabric of our nation. Um, having said that, I don't think we should just choose the cheapest option uh, for our head of state, um, I think we should choose the best. And I think having a queen as head of state is definitely the best option for Britain. Um, it makes us proud to be British. It unites the nation. And best of all, the queen isn't a politician. Yet she does discuss things with, with the prime minister, doesn't she? That doesn't seem particularly appropriate. Uh, well, no, but she doesn't, she doesn't lean on him. She doesn't uh, exert... Uh, any influence. She can't veto any laws anymore. There is a weekly discussion uh, between the Prime Minister and the Queen where he simply updates her on the business of government. And I think it's appropriate that the head of state knows about that. Um, but, you know, clearly she's not sitting there making law. Graham Smith, 53 pence per person a year? That's That's got to be good value for money, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it's not true. Um, you know it's not true. And I would rather that the BBC stop repeating it as if it is true. So, Correct um, us. You know, tell us the truth. I pointed out to your researcher yesterday when I was on the phone to her. Um, it simply well, isn't the case. Tell us, so tell us. Stop repeating tell us. it as if it is. Um, well, Graham, tell is, us, I mean, Graham, tell most, us now then. Most of what Scott said was um, wrong. I mean, he does like to fantasise about the monarchy and, and add, add all this, um, uh, you know, sort of take or pass credit on to the monarchy for all of the hard work that ordinary people do in terms of bringing tourists into this country. There's no evidence that the, the monarchy brings tourists in. Uh, one thing that Scott did say, is, uh, which was correct, is that it's not about what's cheapest and it's not about the financial value. Um, the figures that come out from Brown Britain are absolute fiction. Um, the, you know, well, what are the correct not, figures then? But there aren't any figures to support any kind of economic benefit to the monarchy. This just isn't any. I mean, there was a, uh, quite a clear, concise article in the Financial Times um, debunking all of this nonsense. And so they, d- they don't the cost past. us 53 pence a year? They cost us over £200 million pounds, um, uh, every year, which is the equivalent of thousands of nurses or thousands of police officers or, you know, however many schools or hospital wards. You know, over £200 million pounds every year. Uh, on an institution that is not the best because it's not democratic, it's not accountable. The Queen and Prince Charles do have um, the opportunity in secret to veto laws that, not in the interests of the people, but it, the, the veto laws that affect their own private interests. Now, that has been confirmed by the government. Uh, it's been reported widely um, in the media. Um, uh, but the government refuses to say how and when that, um, that process is exercised, and they refuse to give any details. So the entire institution is, uh, operates in secret. It is completely unaccountable. We have no idea whether Charles or the Queen or anyone else is leaning on ministers in private. Charles particularly has a very active political uh, agenda and lobbies ministers on a routine basis entirely in secret. Um, and, you know, the, the cost is irrelevant. It doesn't bring in any, in, in any money. It does cost us an awful lot because it's unaccountable. Well, the, the, the cost, if you say it's £200 million a year they cost, that's still only three quid a person, isn't it? That's, that's, no, it's not. Look, sorry, I mean... The, well, if you're saying it's... If you're saying, Graham, 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 no, 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 hang on a second. If you're, saying it's, if you're saying it costs £200 million a year to, for the monarchy, that's three quid a person, isn't it? Are you dividing that by £60 million? 
Yeah, 69 million, right, roughly. Okay, yeah. Which is a, an absurd division anyway, because 60 million people in this country do not pay tax. No, I but mean, no, but it's still three... No, but no, it's not absurd. Okay, no, let, Graham, let me, it's not absurd. Absolutely clear. It's not absurd. It's, it's, it's three quid a person. Right, the monarchy is the only institution where people take the cost of it and divide it by 60 million. No, you just do not do that. When, why, why do you not do MPs, that, Graham? When the MPs' expenses came out, people didn't just shrug their shoulders and say, well, it doesn't matter, it's only one pound per person or whatever it is. They said this is an absolute outrage because people were putting their hands into... Um, public okay. pockets. We're going, off on, a, we're going off on a tangent. Let's, let's, let's put those points to Scott. Scott? Yeah, well, uh, thank you. I mean, the, the trouble with Graham is, is that he puts across this uh, this rumour that if we did what he wanted and replaced the Queen with a politician, all these costs would go away, and that's simply not true. I mean, I assume he wouldn't want Windsor Castle and Buckingham Palace to fall down, so we'd still pay for those. Um, I assume he wouldn't want his anything bad to happen to his new politician, so he'd still have to keep them safe. We'd still have to pay him a salary. And, of course, politicians, unlike the Queen, retire, so they need a big pension pot. The simple fact of the matter is, is that all of these costs that Graham single-handedly blames on the monarchy are actually costs that any government has to has to um, has to endure. Which is incorrect, and, uh, Scott. The problem is, Scott, is that a, a it's not a politician. So I know you I know you like to think you're being clever by constantly referring to a politician. No one is asking for a politician to be put into uh, the position of head of state. So uh, that's let's exactly what you're asking and, for, and clarity in the discussion. What we're talking about is having a non-political head of state elected by the people, someone who represents the people. And because they're accountable, they have to be careful about the money that they are they are spending. Heads of state, if you look at Ireland, for example, if you look at Germany... Which they all have politicians, Graham. Sorry? They, all have pol- they all have politicians. That's the trouble. Graham no, they don't. They have non-political they heads pres- of state. The president. Gentlemen, 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 the gentlemen both of you can calm down. One at a time, please. Scott, the, the, the Graham is, is disputing the, the fact that the figures that they don't bring in, uh, saying they don't bring in tourists. We can't prove they bring in tourists. What? Well, I mean, I, I'm no marketing expert, and Brown Finance keep producing these reports which suggest they do. And, you know, if, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that every tourist that comes over to the United Kingdom uh, comes here simply to look at the Queen. Of course, that's not true. But I, th- I do think it's ridiculous to suggest that part of the draw of our nation isn't the culture, the tradition, the heritage. Graham, have you ever, been, the, to Windsor and and inc- have you ever been to Windsor on a Saturday? Yes, of course. It's and, uh, rammed, and they're all there to see the castle. Yeah, OK, hang on a minute. The, the, the tradition, the heritage, the, the history, that's all going to be there whether we have the monarchy or not. And this is the key point. Because, uh, and, you know, you're talking about experts. Brand finance have a, um, you know, they've got a very clever PR department who try and jump on the back of um, uh, these sorts of events. They're doing a, a, a nice bit of um, spin to get their name out there. Everyone's now heard of brand finance because they put this report out. If you actually look at the detail of the report, they're just clumping in together all of these different um, things that have got nothing to do with whether or not we currently have a monarchy and saying that's the value. It's not true. It doesn't stand up. And the key test is if we get rid of the monarchy, would tourism go down? Now, I put that um, to the heads of Visit Britain, you know, the, the most expert people in this country on tourism. I put it to them in person. I said... If we get rid of the monarchy, there's no evidence that we would lose tourists. And they said, you're right, there isn't any evidence that we would lose tourists. So, you know, the, the history and the traditions and the, the, the heritage tourism would remain in this country without the monarchy actually still functioning. People would be able to go into Windsor Castle all year round, right away around the castle without any um, restrictions. Same with Buckingham Palace. Um, and, you know, you will get the same sorts of numbers going to Buckingham Palace as you currently get to going to Tower of London, which is far more popular. They do a lot of good work, don't they? 
Well, no, it's all spin and... and, and they do a lot of work for charity, and, and Prince Charles is always involved in environmental work. issues, and um, Prince Andrew's always uh, travelling off meeting business people. No, it's, it's sorry, good. again, this, Prince Charles lobbies on his own particular view on the environment. He gets involved in political issues. He, his, his so-called charity work is his own set of charities, which are there to push his own particular political agenda. Prince Andrew is going around the world talking to some of the most vile despots in the Middle East and the Central Asia. Um, essentially, uh, you know, doing it for his own kudos. Scots, they're all following their own personal agendas. That's exactly well, what I mean, they do, and that's what happens Graham, let's, let's Scott answer. public positions without any okay. accountability. Let's Scott answer, Scott. Well, this is absolutely outrageous, clearly. I mean, I don't invite uh, vet members of the royal family to do things. They don't invite themselves. The Queen, Prince Charles, and all the members of the royal family are invited by local community groups, local councils, um, people who have uh, taken part in the Duke of Edinburgh Prince's Trust. They're invited to do these engagements, and they're invited to do these engagements because it's a pleasure to have members of the royal family who represent the nation coming to, whether it's opening your day centre or giving you the gold Duke of Edinburgh award, people want them to do this because it's a nice thing to happen. And, uh, I mean, Prince Charles carried out 600, over 650 engagements last year, more than the President of Germany, more than the President of Ireland, probably more than me. I wouldn't want to carry out that many engagements. It's a meaningless figure, Scott, because that's only, I mean, each engagement is at, at most an hour long. So She's in her 80s, though. A very small amount of work. She's in her 80s. Well, what's that got to do with anything? If she well, she's an old lady. She, she's still... She's not. If she's, she's not an able old... to do the job, she should step down and allow someone else to do she's it. She's an old lady, and yet she keeps on doing it. She keeps on keeping on. But there isn't, an, there isn't a lot there for her to do. You know, even her own spokespeople have said that, you know, once they've stopped being spokespeople, you know, one of them said... They're very good at doing very little and making it look like they're doing a lot. I Graham, mean, they, they, they don't do an awful lot. Graham, where's your, where's, where's, your, where's your joy? Where's your joy? Well, it's a silly question, isn't it? My, my joy is in, the, is in the, the, what this country really does well, you know, all the ordinary people. This is a great country, a fantastic country, full of amazing and brilliant and innovative people. And the problem with the monarchy and the monarchists like Scott is that they just think that this is a dreadful country and the only colour that it's got. It's this one family. They think we cannot get tourists in unless we um, lean on this one family, that we can't bring in trade unless we lean on this family. It's complete fantasy Scott, and it's you insulting got... to a, our fantastic country. Scott, you've got 20 seconds to reply. Well, I mean, clearly there is more. There are many great things for our country, the Olympics, our sports teams, etc., etc. But I think we should keep as many good things about our country going as possible. And I think if you look across the world and across the Commonwealth and just look into ourselves and look at our hearts and all the, all the opinion polls back me up, British people love their monarchy, and long may it continue, because it's part of our nation, and it's part of what makes us Great Britain. We have to end it there. A fascinating discussion, gentlemen. Thank you very much, both of you, for coming on. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Scott Pepe, uh, who is a staunch royalist, and Republican Graham Smith. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M40 southbound still looking slow after the accident between Tame and Watlington and although the accident is gone and the lanes are all open, congestion looks like it's tailing back nearly to Oxford. Southbound M1, long delays this morning. Newport Pagnell down toward Bedford, that's Junction 13 of course. It's taking at least 35 minutes to get through after the accident earlier around Junction 13. Again, it's one that's since cleared. Northbound looking busy from Flittick toward Bedford. The Aston Abbots Road, we have reports that that's been blocked both ways after a two-vehicle accident between Aston Abbots 
Roberts and Whedon. Anything else on that, do give us a call 08459 455 555 or indeed if you spot anything else at all on the roads or rails. M25 anti-clockwise, slow from Waltham Abbey to Enfield into and through the roadworks, then from the M1 to Kings Langley and Chorleywood to the M40 you have patches of slow moving traffic, delays on the A1 at the Black Cat Roundabout, busy into London as you come down the Barnet Bypass and the A10 looking slow through Chesant past Winston Churchill Way. Metropolitan Line Tube is suspended at present, Baker Street to Aldgate, severe delays on the rest of the line, it's a signal for at Baker Street. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. 8.17, it's Thursday the 25th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Rescuers are still searching through the wreckage at the scene of Spain's worst train crash in four decades, which is so far known to have claimed at least 77 lives. A 24-year-old Liverpool man has admitted wounding with intent, affray and possession of an offensive weapon following a stabbing at a concert at the Milton Keynes Bowl. In sport, the Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers says Luis Suarez's future at Liverpool is now a question of loyalty. Coming up, if you're driving this morning, wake up! Apparently half of us have at some point fallen asleep behind the wheel. Hear more next. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you... Great guests. Julian Clary. Welcome to BBC Three Counties Radio. Legendary Genesis guitarist Steve Hackett. Supertramp frontman Roger Hodgson. Carol Decker of Tapau fame joins me now. Great conversations. China in your hand is about the fragility of your dreams and that you should be careful what you wish for. Something very addictive about making people laugh is standing on stage and every few seconds getting that hit of a, of a laugh. Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12. On BBC Three Counties Radio. I was just asked, I, Tim's just joined me, and I was just saying, I wonder what um, China in Your Hands by Tapao is about, and then... It's about the fragility of life. And dreams. And dreams. There we go, and then yeah. she pops up there and says that. Well, that's fantastic news. Dreams are fragile. My dreams were broken last night by the horrendous uh, downpour. Oh, doesn't it sound wonderful? I know. We sleep with that window I open. Love it. It's brilliant. That noise, there's nothing better. There's, if you sleep in an attic room, as I used to do, so you're right mm. close to the roof, and just that rain beating. With a skylight hammering down. Oh, God, it's, it's almost sensual. It it's sounds like wonderful. a group of old men picking up big buckets of water and just throwing them over you. Morning. So, Tim, you're off on holiday next week, are you? I am, yes, yes. Well, JVS comes back and then I, uh, I go away. Except instead of sitting in my flat, I shall be uh, going to Spain. His holiday sounds very boring. Mm, very boring. He went boring. out on a lad's night last night. I'm just, I'm, I've got this all from Twitter. The fact he's tweeting his holiday. Do you know what I've stopped? Well, no, I haven't stopped following him. I just haven't been checking what he's up to because it's things like tiling. Oh, it's so boring. And pottering. Such a dull man. And cleaning other people's garage doors. I know, I often ask him, nice time last night, what did you go? Did you go and pop over, what, see your dad or do some tiling or, you know, go and see your nan? It's like, do you think my, that's all my life is? I was like, well, yes, it, it appears to be. It seems that's to be. That's your life. Such a shame. It's a blameless life, but it, it just sounds a bit dull. It's a joyless life. It's a joyless life. Soulless life. You, you're going to have joy and soul next yes. week, are you? Yes, uh, next week I will be. Yes, a bit of sunshine, hopefully, some tapas or tapas. Uh, <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to it, thank you. Well, yes. Excellent. But anyway, enough, enough about that. This morning, nine o'clock, it's the big phone in. Yes. Uh, and uh, I want to hear from you. Are you a dangerous driver if you don't take a rest break every two hours. Apparently more than half of us don't take regular rest breaks and risk falling asleep behind the wheel. That's according to Brake. 
the uh, the Road Safe charity. 35% of those polled took the char- uh, t- told the charity they often continue a journey despite feeling sleepy. And nearly, this is quite interesting actually, 15% of male drivers say they're happy to drive for six hours or more without stopping, which is kind of like going from, I suppose, here to nearly Scotland. So if, if you're about that, to, I, don't, I think the two hours is perhaps a little bit too often. I've, I've driven. Well, no, this is what they're that. recommending. The sleep yeah, experts say two hours, yeah. and you should then you should pull off. I have managed to go longer than two hours before pulling off, and I do one of the, one of the joys of of, of dri- being a, driving on my own, as I have done recently, mm. is that you can, if you do feel a little bit dozy, uh, the first thing I do is I pull off and I have a doze. Then I have a doze for just half an in, hour, a, so. in a lay-by. Yeah, 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 and it's great and it's a joy. But I, I, two hours is maybe a little bit. Well, I, I don't brief. know. I mean, I I came back from uh, an airport recently. I had three passengers, and it's only about three or four weeks ago, and. We had had such a long flight, we were desperate to get home. They all fell asleep instantly. and That's hard work, when everyone else falls asleep. When everyone falls asleep. Yeah. And, and I, I think from the moment I got into the car, because it had been a very early, very early flight, we had very little sleep, I was tired the whole way, and I drove from uh, Gatwick up to where were we? Just coming into Hertfordshire, and I was kind of slapping my cheek, and I, and I was putting yeah. sweets in my mouth and opening the windows, trying to That's <gasps> not breathe good. in air. And I just thought, I'm being an idiot. I should just go and find someone to probably just say, "I'm sorry, guys, we go and have a coffee," because yeah. everyone was so desperate to get back. And apparently, the where is it? I've got the RAC. They estimate that 20% of all accidents occur because people are just too tired to be in control of a vehicle. So if sleep experts say you should rest every two hours, and if you're not doing that, then presumably you are are being dangerous. You are risking Mm -hmm. causing an accident because you're just too tired to be on the roads. Simple as that. Yep. So that's the question. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Although I appreciate how impractical this that would be for many drivers, for people who are driving as couriers. Or I suppose they get regular stops to get out and deliver things. Yep. Uh, people making regular long journeys up and down the country for work. Maybe it's impractical, mm. but I just wonder. Phone lines well, are open. Always good to try and pull off on the hard shoulder if you can, Tim. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we're talking about it now. We're carrying on the discussion. Have you ever been driving when you've fallen asleep behind the wheel? It happened to me a long time ago. As a young man, I fell asleep for about three seconds on the motorway, woke up, the car was kind of going sideways. Boy, oh boy, did I learn my lesson. Never again. Well, research by the charity Break shows half of us aren't taking it seriously as no- enough as we're not taking a break at all. They believe as well it'll get worse during the summer season as families travel by car to get to their holiday destination. Ellen Booth is Senior Campaigns Officer. Uh, Ellen, why aren't people taking time out to rest? I think, unfortunately, um, you know, there's this issue of complacency among drivers. Um, drivers always think that, um, you know, they'll be the ones who can get away with it. I'm a good driver. Um, you know, I can control this. I can, I can just push on through. Unfortunately, um, if you're not taking regular rest breaks, if you're driving when you're feeling tired, um, you're putting yourself at um, great risk of micro-sleeps, um, which is when you might um, fall asleep for between 2 and 30 seconds. Um, and some people call that head nodding you know when Mm. your head kind of wobbles a bit and you kind of blink and you open your eyes again you might think you've only closed your eyes for a a split second um, but in actual fact it could be up up to 30 seconds and it only takes a few seconds to veer across um, a number of lanes and cause um, a a very serious crash Um, so you know our advice is yes you should be making sure that you're not driving tired in the first place Um, you're getting enough sleep before you set off you're taking regular breaks but if you do feel tired at the wheel um, you absolutely shouldn't be trying to push on 
through by opening the window or something like that. And that's the key, isn't it, if you're feeling tired? Taking a break every two hours seems a little excessive to me. I mean, that's that's the recommended amount by by experts. Um, And I I think it's difficult for individuals to judge. And certainly, um, when you weigh up the risks involved, um, it has to be worth it. I mean, when you're setting off on, you, you know, you're setting off on holiday, obviously, you know, many people... Um, take the view that well I want to get there as quickly as possible and get this journey over and done with Um, but actually you know why not um, take the view that you know I'll make this journey a little bit more enjoyable by um, slowing down taking regular breaks Um, you know that's that's probably a much more sensible attitude to have. Who's worse at taking breaks men or women? Um, well, unfortunately, it seems that men are actually much worse at, um, at taking breaks mm. um, and, and are much, much more likely to, to uh, try to push on through if they do feel tired at the wheel, um, you know, by, um, for example, opening the window, putting music on, something like that, which are all unproven to actually prevent you from falling asleep at the wheel. Um, so this research that we did showed that... Um, um, many more males um, a much higher portion uh, said that they'd driven for six hours or more without stopping so 14% of males compared to 3% of females um, and um, a higher proportion said that they'd try to push on through as well um, I tell you what doesn't help Ellen is some service stations mm. if you because I quite often pop over uh, into a service station have a little little doze for a bit and then go and get a coffee and drive on uh, but some service stations if, you, if you're there for more than an hour or more than two hours then you, you get fined that's not particularly encouraging, is it? No, it's not. And I mean, we um, we we know that the government um, is trying to do something about that. Um, and there is a proposal that um, drivers who oversleep at motorways, um, motorway service stations, might be able to pay their tickets retrospectively, but before they leave the um, the service station, which would obviously be a really good thing. So what we don't want to do is end up in a situation where drivers um, are too fearful um, to take a nap in case they oversleep and overstay their welcome and get a, a big fine for it. Um, so yes, that is something that we, we definitely want the government to look into. Ever happened to you, Ellen? Ever, uh, you've ever been driving and uh, your head's nodded down for that split second? No, because um, I work for a road safety charity that supports people who've been bereaved or injured. You know, we all take this incredibly seriously. Um, you know, if you've, if you've heard the stories of people who've been affected by these things, then, you know, you'd never take risks on roads. Ellen, thank you very much for your time. Ellen Booth, uh, Senior Campaigns Officer at Break, 08459 455 555. Let me go to the Facebook page. There are so many Facebook comments uh, about spitting. I'm not going to get a chance to read all of them out, but let's try and... uh, um uh, let's, sorry, let me just have a little look. Sorry, there was a message to me there. Let's see what you're saying about spitting. Um, about Dunstable says, spitting? I thought it said sitting. What? It's a disgusting habit, and I've been told it spreads all kinds of diseases. Good idea. It's just implementing it like any other fines that are set. Jack says, Spitting in the street is gross, but I don't see how you're going to police it unless you give powers to ordinary citizens, because we'll see the people doing it. Then we could stop littering as well. Come on, give us ordinary people the power. Really? You think? Um, and Gillian says a disgusting habit that spreads disease an 80 pounds fine is not enough but a good thing Ian would you change your mind about spitting if one of your sons were landed on would you Ian is very this is worded in a very strong way Ian would you change your mind about spitting if one of your (laughs) Ian this is from Gillian Ian, would you change your mind about spitting? 
if one of your sons were landed on by a stray spitter and were infected? Yes, I think I quite, I think I quite possibly would, Julia. Thank you for that. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still got delays this morning on the M40 southbound. It's slow after an accident from Tame to Watlington quite early this morning. Although it's clear there are still 20-minute delays back toward Oxford. The Aston Abbots Road has been blocked both ways following a two-vehicle accident between Aston Abbots and Whedon. One vehicle's been recovered. The van that was involved in that is still waiting to be recovered right now. The M1 southbound, long delays. Newport Pagnell at the services toward Junction 13 at Bedford. 35 minutes to get through the traffic. There was an accident earlier this morning. Northbound looking slow past Junction 13. The M25 clockwise looking really slow around Chorley Wood. Anti-clockwise busy in patches into the roadworks first off past Enfield, then from the M1 to Kings Langley and from Chorley Wood to the M40. The A1 up at the Black Cat roundabout is queuing southbound going on to the Barford bypass. Into London the A1 slow through Boreham Wood around Mill Hill Circus and then the A10 Chesant. We've got slow moving traffic Winston Churchill Way toward College Road and indeed down toward the M25. Metropolitan Line Tube suspended Wembley Park to Aldgate there are severe delays on the rest of the line this is signal failure at Baker Street your tickets will be taken on buses London Midland London Overground and Chilton services Adam Glynn BBC Three Counties Radio Scott raises an excellent point on Facebook on the subject of spitting what happens if you get a fly in your mouth do you have to chew it and swallow it across beds hearts and bugs this is BBC Three Counties Radio Headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. Rescuers are still searching through the wreckage at the scene of Spain's worst train crash in four decades, which is so far known to have claimed at least 77 lives. A 24-year-old Liverpool man has admitted wounding with intent, affray and possession of an offensive weapon following a stabbing at a concert at the MK Bowl last July. And the Archbishop of Canterbury has told the payday loans company Wonga that the Church of England wants to force it out of business by competing against it. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Senior Open starts this morning at Royal Birkdale. Colin Montgomery is playing the event for the first time, having just turned 50 in June, with Fred Couples the defending champion, and Montgomery's looking forward to tackling the course. I think it's just a tremendous golf course. There's no gimmicks. It doesn't need any gimmicks. There's, it's very fair. Muirfield and Birkdale are... It depends who you are. The English think Birkdale's the best. Uh, the Scots think Muirfield, but really, uh, I'm not saying that because I'm here. I really do feel that Birkdale is right there with the best courses in Britain. The Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers says Luis Suarez's future at Liverpool is now a question of loyalty. Rodgers feels Suarez owes the club's fans after they stood by him through a number of controversial incidents during his time at Anfield. Suarez is set to hold talks with Arsenal over a move to the Emirates after their bid of just over £40 million triggered a clause in his contract. Liverpool, however, remain adamant that the striker will not leave for less than their valuation of £50 million. In last night's friendlies, Watford drew one all with Peterborough. MK Dons beat Madrid base side Rayo Vallecano 4 3. And Wickham's friendly at Burnham was postponed after the pitch failed in inspection. Tonight, Luton Town have a friendly away to Dunstable Town. And this afternoon, some of the world's best cricketers from the past are in action in Bedfordshire. The Lashings World 11 team are playing Eversholt. Courtney Walsh, Andy Caddick, and Inzamum Ulhak will play for the touring team. And entry at the gate costs £5. That match starts at 2.30. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at nine o'clock. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text will be charged at the standard network rate. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
been a very busy and a very fiery show this morning. Lots of uh, people getting hot under the collar about spitting, uh, school holidays, and also the royal family. I'm here until nine o'clock. If you want to give me a call on any of those, 08459 455555, or you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Uh, a report is out that has been disputed by uh, Republican groups um, saying that uh, for just 53 pence per person in, the, the, in uh, England, Britain, um, we get the royal family. Is it, in, is it in England or in Britain? Doesn't really matter. The UK. Let's just, well, yeah. uh, 53 pence a person. Let's assume that is correct. At most, it's £2.90 a person. Is that value for money? April's in Luton. Morning, April. Good morning. What do you think? 53 pence per person, good value for money? Yeah, I'd quite happily pay 53 pence, I'd quite happily pay £2.90. Actually, I'd be quite happy to pay, say, a tenner a year. Let's not get carried away, love, eh? <laughs> Why? Why do you like the Royal Family so much? Well, apart from all the entertainment they give me, and they do give me more entertainment than, say, the average television programme. Um, what more? Hang on a they, second. The Royal Family give you more entertainment than, say, Luther or Jeremy Kyle? Admittedly, I am recording Luther. I haven't watched them yet, but certainly more than Dead Enders. Sorry, I mean EastEnders. The lady police officer did it. Oh, I've spoiled it. I don't know. I've not watched it. I've no idea. If she did do it, then I'm in big trouble, but I've not seen it, so I don't... I've I, not seen it, so... I, I've got no idea, so I'm just guessing. I've got them all on. You, are you not bored of the baby? The baby's got to be getting on your wick, isn't it? Um, no, do you oh. know, actually, not... Well, yes and no. There's probably too much news coverage about it. However... I wish every new life into this world all the joy and happiness and oh, health. So, so do I. I wish that I wish them happiness and, and, and health and everything. But it's front page of most of the newspapers, apart from the Independent, who've gone with Alan Partridge. <laughs> yeah, it's fine for me. I don't read the newspapers, so it doesn't bother me. Okay, April in Luton. Thank you very much, April. Uh, is more than happy to pay the 53 pence or the £2.90, depending on uh, which side of the coin you are at. Talking about falling asleep at the wheel, research by the charity break shows half of us aren't taking it seriously enough. Um, Clive's in Winslow. Morning, Clive. Good morning have, to you. Have you fallen asleep at the wheel? Yes. What happened? This was a few years back. I'd been out in the sun all day long in Gloucestershire, and I was going back to work, uh, Windsor to see a cousin of mine, and I was looking for an off-slip because I thought, I'm feeling shot. Yeah. I was in the outside lane. I thought, where's the next off-slip? I thought, for hell, you know, for God's sake, hurry up. Next thing I know... I'm aiming towards the central reservation. Yep. Uh, how should we say? An immediate wake up. Mm. Didn't need to stop after that, but obviously I was looking for somewhere to get off. But I had before that I used to sail a lot to the South End, driving back to North London. I knew damn well I'd be totally nutty knackered at the end of the afternoon. I'd be driving back and I'd stop on the outskirts of London, drop into a field, I'd crash for an hour. Mm. So, yes, if you're aware of it, you do something What's about your, it. I enjoy sleeping in the car now. I, I, I always used to be reluctant about it, but now I'm a dad, I think, you know, precious cargo, it's always better to be a little bit late than uh, end up in an A&E. Or even too early in the next world. Well, you, exactly, you're, you're, you're spot on. And I had that thing when I fell asleep in my 20s on the M25. I woke up heading towards the central reservation. Boy, oh boy, does that shock you uh, into being awake. What's your technique for sleeping in the car, Clive? Do you go on the back seat? Do you lower the seat? What do you do with your legs? What I do with my legs, I just stay in the driver's seat, put, put my legs forward, and I'm talking of driving a Mini at the time. Oh, blimey. And I've never had a problem going to sleep. 
when you've been through the last war and there's a fire engine next door attending to a house that's just been bombed, you haven't even heard it, I don't have a problem. Oh, look at you. You, you can just you, you <laughs> switch completely off, do you? Yeah, my wife's next to me. She's so, yes, I can vouch for that. Clive, excellent stuff. It's a great skill. As I get older and older, I find it harder and harder to sleep. I used to be able to sleep through anything. My technique for sleeping in a car, I'm six foot three. Get the driver's seat... Get get that back, but not back too far. You don't want to be flat. You want to have a bit of an angle. Then I put my head on the headrest. I lock my arm in between the headrest and the seat. So that's then locked there. That can't move. That's not going to fall off. Then I put my legs over the um, gear stick. So the legs, the left leg is on the passenger seat. My right leg is in the foot of the passenger footwell. Boom. 40 minutes of great sleep. That's how it works. Now, thousands of people will be passing through the gates of... Oh, it's it. Passing through the gates of Luton Airport this summer. Apparently, if they were to lay their beach towels from end to end, that'd be a lot of beach towels. Oh, no, they would reach from London to Barcelona. Well, let's find out exactly how bustling it is right now and check in with uh, our breakfast reporter, Justin Daly. Justin, over to you. Thank you, Ian. Yes, uh, very busy here at London Luton Airport. I've been talking to many happy families jetting off. Here's just one of them. Morning, madam. What's your name? My name is Breeder. And who have we got with you today? Who have we got? Kaylee and Leanna. Kaylee and Leanna. And how old are your girls? Uh, this is six and four. And where are you going? We're going to Ireland. Now, what's the weather like in Ireland? Uh, it has been beautiful, but I believe it's raining now. <laughs> <laughs> have you got lots Don't of plans? When you get there? Yeah, we're just meeting family, so yeah. we've got loads to do, yeah, and we're by the coast as well, so it's lovely. And you don't hang around, do you? What, the first day for the kids yeah. off school and you're flying out to Ireland? I know, but we have to. We have to go and see our nan and everything, so yeah, no, we're looking forward to it. I bet nan can't wait. No, she can't. And cousins and everything, is that right, girls? Yeah, it's going to yeah. be a good party. How long are you going for? Uh, just a week, and then we're back, yeah. And um, just lastly, we have been talking about the summer holidays this morning. Yeah. Are they too long? As a no. parent, what do you think? Definitely not too long. I think it's been really hard the last couple of weeks when it's been really hot and the kids going to school. So I think they should have broken up at least another week earlier or so. Uh, mid of the week is not great to be finishing either. And then we're all away at the same time and it's, ca- it's so busy getting here and everything. Yeah. So no. Well, listen, have a fantastic trip. Say hello to Nan for me, won't you? Take care. We say hi to Nan. Well, good luck to them. Well, joining me live now in our radio car is Jackie Bowery from Luton Airport. So, just how many passengers will be flying out during the school summer holidays here from Luton Airport then? So we'll be seeing over 710,000 passengers travelling over the school summer period, which is an increase on 3.5% over last year in the same period. I mean, incredible figures for you. What's your advice to passengers? Because as we look around here at the airport, it's, it's very, very busy, isn't it? It does get busy. It's obviously a very peak travel period. We would ask passengers to leave extra time for their travel to the airport and also look on the airport website to check for security restrictions. There's obviously still restrictions on how many liquids that can be taken through security. So we'd ask passengers to look at that and look at the website. I spoke to that lady a moment ago and she's off to Ireland uh, with her two children. Very, very excited. Where's the most popular destination this summer then? Really the firm favourites are Palma, Mallorca, um, the Canary Islands, but we're also seeing increased travel to areas of Greece, Turkey. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? It does, yeah. But unfortunately, I'm sure for you, you're told, Jackie, I'm sorry, I know you want to go away, you want to be lapping it up on a beach somewhere, but you can't go away during the next six weeks. Well, there's no real restrictions on us. We obviously try and avoid the peak travel periods ourselves so that we're here to to work in the operations. Um, I'll be travelling away in September, obviously, from London, Luton. (laughs) And where are you travelling to? I'm actually going to Girona. just north of Barcelona. And what's it like working here? Because we know it is a very busy airport. The figures you've spoken about are great. What's it like working here on a day-to-day basis for you? 
It's a fantastic place to work. We've got a fantastic team of people that are very dedicated, that work really hard to, to make sure that passengers get through the airport in, in a smooth and, and fun way, actually. You know, you heard the families this morning. They're really looking forward to their travel over the summer holiday, and that's what we try and help the passengers do, really enjoy their travel through the airport. Right now, we are enjoying a summer. We're actually having a summer, but let's just fast forward lastly. Looking ahead to winter, have you got any new routes on the map here from London Luton Airport? We've got some great new routes coming up. We'll have Venice coming back on. That will be EasyJet um, in February, actually for Valentine's Day, I believe. Um, we have some routes with Wizz Air to Donetsk, Kosice and Craiova. Um, Sharm El Sheikh's coming on with, with Monarch Airlines, but also looking forward to next summer, we've got Skiathos starting with Thompson. So for those that are planning in advance, they, they know that now. Getting a bit tight on time, Josh, just to... Uh, are we? Like that. Okay, well, do you want some advice for you? Are you flying out next month, is that right? You are? Ian? Yep, yeah, yes, yeah, I'm you Justin. Are flying yep, just, yep. Um, he, he's quite a grumpy flyer. Um, <laughs> have you got any advice for Ian? Because he's grumpy anyway. When he gets on flights, he's incredibly grumpy. Um, what can you advise uh, for Ian to, to hopefully try and calm himself down and, and have a good flight? Well, I think, Ian, if you'd like to enjoy some of the new retail and catering in the departure lounge before you travel, we've got a lovely new Frankie and Ben is just opened, ready for the summer period, and some lovely shopping opportunities, so hopefully that would help you relax. Obviously, if you prepare yourself for security before you come, don't bring too many liquids in your hand luggage. You'll be have a nice, smooth transit through security. So, And we wish you a, a very happy travel through the airport. I'll hand him over to you. You can deal with him. Jackie, yeah. thanks for your time. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Jackie Bowery joining us live here from London Luton Airport. So over 700,000 passengers flying out during the school summer holidays. Ian, back to you. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Not a grumpy flyer, I'm a nervous flyer. Uh, some texts on uh, the discu- cracking discussion at the top of the hour, 8 o'clock. Top of the hour, such a ra- it's a radio phrase, isn't it? What does that mean, top of the hour? It means 8 o'clock. I'll, I'll say that from now on. Uh, between a, a royalist and a republican. If you missed it, BBC iPlayer, just after 9, it'll be back up there. Uh, it won't be in the podcast because the podcast is too packed already. There's too much good stuff in there already. So we won't be able to squeeze it in, I'm afraid. Um, Some texts on that. Stephen from Milton Keynes says, The anti-royalists stated at the beginning of the interview, there is no evidence that tourism is boosted by the monarchy. Well, go to the US, and it's clear there are many, many of them who have or want to visit because of the Queen. For most people there, the Queen is the second most important person in the world after the President. He lost the argument on that. It's true, the Americans, they love the royal family. They love... I, I did a TV show. It wasn't very good, but I did it, um, uh, where we took out a Prince William and a Prince Harry lookalike to Las Vegas. The reason it wasn't very good is they didn't look anything like Prince William or Prince Harry. But the one bit that worked is we walked into a, like this scummy little diner and uh, we pretended they were the princes and they could not serve us enough. I said I had to be their aide and I said, right, but Prince William would like uh, 15 boiled eggs, each with 10 seconds apart. So you'd start at one that was 1 minute 30, then the next one would be one forty, one fifty, one sixty. They did it. They did it. We had 15 boiled eggs in front of us and the prince tested them. It was fantastic. They love the royal family over there. Joe in Hemel says, we host students from all over Europe and the main thing they all want to do is visit the royal houses. They all watch the royal wedding and the Queen's celebrations. If Graham doesn't like it, move to another country. Go to Windsor. I know that, um, that, that Graham said that the, the people would still go to Windsor anyway to see um, the, the castle. But when the royal standard is flying, when the Queen is in residence, 
those tourists get well excited. They get so... Oh, I think the Royal Standard's flying, darling. I think that means she's in. They they point out the wrong flag. You have to say, no, that's actually the Union flag, not the Union Jack, love. Get it right. That's the Royal Standard. Oh, does that mean she's in? Well, we get to see her. 08459 455 555. 53 pence. It might be £2.90. That's what we're paying for the Royal Family. Is it worth it? Are they good value for money? Or do you think off with their heads? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're making a journey into London this morning, the Metropolitan Line tube has been suspended between Wembley Park and Aldgate. Severe delays on the rest of the line. It's a signal failure at Baker Street. Your tickets will be taken on buses, London Midland, London Overground and Chiltern Railway services as alternatives. Looking at the roads and the M40 southbound continues to queue. Tame to Watlington, there was an accident earlier and it's busy back to Oxford with delays of around 20 minutes. The Aston Abbots Road is blocked at the moment after a two-vehicle accident between Aston Abbots and Whedon. One vehicle involved in that accident just waiting recovery now. The M1 southbound still long delays from Junction 15 at Northampton through to 13 at Bedford, taking 25 minutes to get through after an accident just after Junction 13 earlier today. It's looking slow from Flittick toward the A505 at Junction 11 as well, and northbound busy as you go past Junction 13. The M25 anti-clockwise stops start as you come into the roadwork section, and also busy from Chorleywood to the M4 Continuing looking at the A1, we've got queues at the Black Cat Roundabout coming to the Barford Bypass. It's all looking slow into London on the Barnet Bypass, coming down from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus, and delays in Chesant on the A10 around Winston Churchill Way. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. 8.46, Thursday the 25th of July. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Rescuers are still searching through the wreckage at the scene of Spain's worst train crash in four decades, which is so far known to have claimed at least 77 lives. A 24-year-old Liverpool man has admitted wounding with intent, affray and possession of an offensive weapon following a stabbing at a concert at the MK Bowl. In sport, last night's friendly saw Watford draw one all with Peterborough. MK Dons beat Spanish side Rayo 4-3, while Wickham's match at Burnham was postponed. Coming up, spitting. Is it ever OK? Before that, here's a lady who would never spit. I bet she does. Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, good morning. Never spat, of course. But, um, you know, we could see a few spits and spots of rain, I suppose. Good one. I like it. I like it. And we might just see a few showers uh, around for the rest of the morning. Certainly the risk of it, although many places staying dry. And actually the sun's beginning to come out too across parts of Hertfordshire. That's nice. And that's the way it will generally tend to stay, I think, as we head through the late morning and into the afternoon. So we're looking at some more warm sunshine around and top temperatures today into the mid-20s. We're probably going to see 24, 25 degrees Celsius. I think we'll be lucky to see a 26, but locally we might just see it somewhere, I suppose. Um, very warm in the sunshine, just light winds. As I said, the risk of a shower just over the next few hours or so. As we head through into tonight, it will stay dry. We'll see um, the cloud building towards eastern areas again. Temperatures down to 12 or 13 degrees. So I think it is going to feel a touch fresher tonight than it has been recently. And that, of course, will come as a big relief to uh, to many of us. Tomorrow, a bit of a cloudy start. We could just see a shower or two around through the morning, but then again, turning brighter into the afternoon, lots of sunshine around again, temperatures hitting the mid-20s. We could possibly be seeing some more thunderstorms around at the weekend, so something to watch out for. Um, some heavy downpours to be expected. Sort of Saturday afternoon, really, is my guess of when they're going to occur. And then Sunday.
Sunday is looking a touch drier, but um, we will keep you posted on these thunderstorms, of course. The, the detail's not very firm yet, you see, Ian. You finished? It kind of just yeah. petered out at the end there, didn't Sorry. it? Finished. That's the forecast. Thank you. Every weekday morning from nine, the JVS show. You just can't carry on with life. It, I mean, it's just awful. With the biggest opinions. It's about time somebody or organisation has stood up and basically snort the coffee. Well, it depends on the individual, actually. Let's pollute the planet even more. We should pollute it so much your Pinot Gris show goes rotten. And the biggest local talking points. What we really need to do is for everyone in, in the country to reduce their energy consumption, not increase it. The JVS show. Weekdays from Nine, BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey, alternative bands and unsigned music fans. Kelly Betts just gave me some good news. Kelly Betts, quick, what, what's the exciting news that you just gave me? Two of the bands from the Three Counties that we put forward to play Reading and Leeds will be yep. playing Reading and Leeds this August bank holiday weekend. Hey, that's exciting. They are As Elephants Are from Chesham and Zaheer from Milton Keynes. We've played those, haven't we? Yes, we have. As Elephants Are were added to our playlist for one week. And uh, exciting news, Gareth isn't hosting... No, that's not exciting, that sounds rude. But Gareth isn't hosting BBC Introducing this week. No, it will be me. Have you got any um, top tunes uh, up your sleeve as you spin We've the wheels? I've not loads. finished. I've not finished. Oh, sorry. As you, as you spin the wheels of steel, are finished. Are you finished? Yeah. We've got loads of banging tunes. <laughs> People don't still say that, do they? I do when I present. What time is it on? At eight. You don't know, do you? No, it's eight till nine at uh, Saturday nights, Three Counties Radio on the World Wide Web. Thank you very much indeed. There you go. Make sure you listen and support and uh, send in positive texts. Constructive criticism is accept- acceptable, but rudeness is, is certainly not acceptable. Now, the Communities Secretary, Eric Pickles, has backed a council in North London that wants to pass a bylaw banning spitting in the street. So, if you spit in Enfield after September, you could get an 80-quid fine. Well, Councillor Chris Bond says they took the decision by popular request. You're about to hear the deepest voice in the world. The residents asked us to look into the possibility of making it an offence, which the government took away from us in the early 90s. Um, So all we asked the government to do is reinstate that. We have a petition from local residents of nearly 5,000 signatures, and we took it to the full council, and both political parties in Enfield agreed it is the way forward, and that's what we've done. You can always spit and put it in a handkerchief or into a litter bin. It's spitting on the pavement, which is the abhorrent, filthy, foul habit which people don't like. Well, other councils are expected to follow suit soon. Mr Pickles called spitting deeply unpleasant and not socially acceptable. Well, I'm asking today, is it ever okay to spit in the street? Jean Brooke-Smith is an etiquette expert. Good morning, Jean. Good morning. Is Another it a- deep voice here. I know, I know. <laughs> it, it sounded like that gentleman's batteries were running out, didn't it? <laughs> yes. It was just getting lower and lower. What a ma- magnificent voice. Jean, is it ever okay to spit in the street? Oh, no, it's a disgusting habit. Oh. It really is. I mean, the trouble is, the general public see people like some of the footballers, sorry, footballers, spitting. I know that it's because they're running and, you know, the build-up of um, nasty things. But then people think, oh, this is, a, this is the great thing to do. I think it is disgraceful. I really believe in this fine. The only problem is, how are you going to police these fines? You know, who's going to be wandering around just watching everybody to see if anybody spits? If you have a cold or if you have a problem with any mucus, etc., that's the word, um, you know, pop it in a hanky or something, but not no. spitting in the street. It is disgusting. Would you, uh, would you rather carry around a pocket full of mucus than just to deposit it on the, uh, in the gutter? Not on the pavement, in the gutter. 
Well, the trouble is, you see, we don't have a lot of litter bins now, do we? They took all our litter bins away. Yeah. But um, in, in one way, we, we should have more places, you know, to put rubbish, um, even if it's something in your handkerchief. But, uh, no, I think that it it's... I'm, I'm for it. I really am. You're for the fine. I'm for the fine. It's just that how can you actually find the people on the spot... You, are you going to have armies of people wandering around well, just checking? That's police. the difficulty. Butcher Dave says on Facebook, I spit all the time. My wife hates it, but better out than in. He's got a point, hasn't he? Oh, well, why does he spit? I mean, is it un- over anger or has he got some problems with health? I mean, it depends to what way. I mean, I think it's the anger one that really is... Yes, an aggressive spit is unpleasant. An aggressive and, you know, of what to build up to, whether somebody has an argument, then it gets very, very nasty. Oh, I would never spit in anger. I think that's disgusting. But sometimes you've just got something in your mouth, you're feeling a bit classy, and it's, it's just best to, to, to get it out. I don't want to swallow that and infect my lungs. Well, just do it, you know, away from everybody. Uh, but, you know, everybody had, should have some tissue or something with them so um, I, I, I just think, you know, think about other people and think the, the actual action of doing it is, is really very nasty. I had a row with my mother-in-law and my wife the other day. Can <laughs> yes. I, can, this is just going off on a slight tangent, but it's, it's, it's etiquette. It's to do with things in the street. They saw it. We were all out and we saw a gentleman walking down the street. Mm-hmm. He was eating a pasty. He had a Ginsters walking down the street. And my mother-in-law went, that is disgusting. Mm. I said, sorry, what? And my wife went, yeah, that's horrible. Walking down the street and eating. What, what's your views on that, Jean? I'm afraid I call um, the coffee. You know, we've got a well-known coffee company. Yeah. I, I mean, this morning I've looked out of my window and I call it transit coffee. People are walking down the road having their breakfast, having their coffee, having a sandwich. I'm a bit old-fashioned in this way. Why not sit down for two seconds, get up earlier, and eat your breakfast before you go out? I've never been a lover of of people eating in the street. I'm still... you're a right old spoil sport, you are, Jean. I know. I can't but... spit. I can't eat my pasty and then spit bits <laughs> out. I'm, I'm but, not coming out with you. But the, the trouble is that nobody seems to have time. I know we. I live in central London, as you know, and everybody's always rushing. But I don't really like to see people eating their pasty or sandwich. And then what do they do? They drop the litter no. in the street. No, I would never do that. That I, I, I do disapprove. I always put the litter in the bag until you find somewhere. I mean, you can get me onto the subject of chewing gum, if you like, which is another point. I don't oh, like. you don't, well, you don't tell me you don't like chewing gum either. Well, I don't like the way that people chew uh, gum and let us see it when uh, they're chewing. Oh, Jean. It's, um, so, you know, I'm being a little bit, um, bit cranky today, aren't you I? You are a little bit cranky. Is it the change in weather? We need a good <laughs> thunderstorm to clear your mood, I think. But back to the original yes. subject. I do think that it is good if we can... If people are frightened, if they say they're going to put a fine of £80, we hope that people will think twice. Yep. I mean, that's the only d- way we can look at it. I mean, if we think that there's going to be a special um, person who's employed to find people, I think it's going to be very difficult. Jean, uh, good sport as always. Thank you very much. Jean Brooksmith, Etiquette Expert. I've just had a row with my team over the pronunciation of the manufacturers of that particular brand of pasty. I know we're at the BBC and we have to be vaguely careful about what, what, we, what we say. I've always said Ginsters. They're telling me it's, it's, it's a soft G. It's a Ginsters. No! No, 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 no. It's a heart. It's a G. I'm sure of it. I'm absolutely sure of it. I would argue this to the death 
that I've got this one right, for goodness sakes. You've got three minutes, 08459 455 555. How on earth do you say it? It's got to be a hard gur, hasn't it? Otherwise it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, let's have a look at some of your Facebook comments, uh, shall we? You've been very busy on the Facebook. I do appreciate it. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can leave comments up there as well during the day. They'll all get seen. They will all be... We won't necessarily read them out on the radio, but they will all get seen uh, at some point. Um, let's have a look at some of these. Um, uh, yes, no, one, no one's argued against Scott. What happens if you get a fly in your mouth? Do you have to chew it and swallow it? Uh, Neil says councils will just use this as another revenue uh, raising exercise Uh, oh Michael says there's no excuse for spitting in a public space even the fly one so sorry Scott your fly one has um, been dismissed Ray's in Milton Keynes Ray how do we pronounce this particular manufacturer of pasties well being a Cornishman it's Ginsters hard G yep high five for the hard G yep I thought so the, 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 the girls here who don't know how to do... The, oh, it's, it's a J. You say it like a J, Ian. They haven't got a clue, have they? No, Ginsters. Thank you very much. I think we've probably uh, endorsed that product enough there. Um, but thank you very much for that, Ray. I knew I was right. Lisa says, spitting in... Pub- <laughs> the show's just... It's like a, we've, uh, six o'clock, we pulled the loose thread on the jumper that was the show, and right now we're just tugging it, and it's, it's completely unravelled. Lisa says, spitting in public is disgusting and unnecessary. If you're a spitter, take a hanky or a tissue with you. No, I, I find that worse. I'm not going to... Sp- First of all, you're not going to throw a handkerchief away, are you? You keep handkerchiefs. Tissues, you throw away. Hankies, no. Uh, Steve says, is disgusting, but let's put it into context. We have 10 million dogs in this country that empty their bowels and bladders in our parks and onto our streets. If I had a magic button... I know which one I would li- eliminate. Would you, though? Would you really? And Wendy says, It's a disgusting habit. I hope the council make lots of money from fining people who spit in the street. It might reduce the council tax, seeing the amount of people who do it around Milton Keynes. Well, there you go. If you want to send me an email, ian.lee, I-A-I-N.L-E-E, at bbc.co.uk. Uh, if you've got any stories, big or small, you think we should be covering, that's probably the best way to get in touch. Let's get the travel now from Adam Gillin. For beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. You drink gin, but you eat against us. Other brands of pasty are, of course, available. The M40 southbound, still looking slow after an accident earlier between Tame and Watlington. It's busy back to Oxford. 20-minute delays. The M1 southbound, long delays from Northampton toward Newport Pagnell. It's taking over half an hour to get through. It's the residual queues sort of tailing back up the motorway after problem earlier with an accident south of junction 13 looking at the m1 southbound it's busy from flittick to dunstable at the a505 as well junction 12 to 11 is looking slow aston abbotts road has been partially blocked an accident with two vehicles involved between aston abbotts and wheaton the m25 anti-clockwise still very slow chorleywood to the m40 and the a10 looking busy in chesant coming down toward the m25 if you're travelling by train this morning, train's looking good. Tubes, though, in London, problems for the Metropolitan Line. Service suspended. Wembley Park to Aldgate. Severe delays on the rest of the line. Signal failure at Baker Street. Your tickets will be taken on London Midland, the Overground, and on Chilton services. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk if you want to get in touch. That's it. That's your lot from me. Tim's up next. Until tomorrow, from me, ta-ta. FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Yes, good morning. Thank you, Ian. You're listening to the JVS Show. 